Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 14. We are once again joined by Mr. John J. Wolf, and tonight we are going right into GCW's homecoming weekend, night two from the Carousel Ballroom at the Showboat in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And like I said, we're just going to hop right into it since we just finished the first one. We're hopping right into this one and getting it started. Really hot, really uh, the GCW way as they started off the night with a GCW Extreme Championship match that is a six-way scramble. And the six competitors was, of course, our champion, Cole Radrick. Then we have Alex Price, Axton Ray, Gringo Loco, Jimmy Lloyd, and Masha Slamovich. And I was excited. Once again, we get to kind of see the GCW Extreme title defended in different matches. We just had Cole Radrick go against Charlie Evans the night before in a straight one-on-one match. And now day two is he's back in the scramble, but at least he's out there defending it, carrying that extreme championship, representing it well. Um, I really like the competitors in this match as well. I was excited to see all six of them compete. So what was your opinions on this match, John? I think we have an active champion, my friend. Hallelujah. I think we have an active championship also. I think we have an in and outer. Cole's there every episode that he can be, which is... 99% of the time, damn near. So I'm really happy to say that we went from hardly anything to a full-time championship all over again. I'm really happy for that. Now, if this continues with over and over and over, that's going to boost Cole and that championship. So it's going to be how Cole carries himself and how much he wants to work. But I can guarantee that if he keeps putting on the uh, matches like he's doing, then he's going to be fantastic. He's another one where right now, if an average match is a five, he's a six out of 10. He, he just has that level up now that he didn't have last year. So you can really see the, uh, you can really see the growth in him. Yes. But uh, thank you, Cole, so much for making sure that as much as he can help it, that championship's getting defended. Um, Alex Price, Alec. Alec Price <laughs> uh, keeps getting chance upon entry no matter where he goes. He is a sensation. I think that's what I'm trying to figure out about him is the fact that people love him so much and I'm getting it. It took me match two before I started to understand who and what he is. And he's so fucking annoying that I get him. I, I get it. I But I also kind of cheer him. I like him. But he's not Tony Deppen-like in the way of a heel. He still is. I fucking hate him heel because he still pulls shit that I think most of these guys uh, in, G in GCW heel world wouldn't pull. So I really do like that he is blatantly mean. He's, you know, like Charles Mason since we were just talking about him on the past show. Um there was a part where Price stands on Axton and DDT's Jimmy Lloyd. Fantastic freaking move. Uh, Price and Axton doing double to topes. And then, of course, like I was just talking, the fans, ratty daddy chants, just ratty daddy. I'm like, dang, man. So these guys are getting it. I'm getting it. I'm hoping you're getting it, too. It's really nice to see that championship we were really complaining about. Uh, somebody listened and somebody's answering. 
Yeah, and this is not a knock on AJ Gray's. We, I know he had like an injury or something. He had to take time off of handle what he needed to handle, and that's why yes. I was inactive for a while. But AJ Gray was an awesome champion too. And like I think I said it before on the podcast. If not, I'll go back and say it again. Like I know I kind of was saying like it's always a scramble. It's always a scramble. It just seemed like the last few ones were the scramble where he was actually defending it in different kind of matches as well. So I did wanted to take that back just in case I came across as saying AJ Gray's. Uh, championship title run didn't mean anything i think it meant a lot to him especially i thought maybe going back to the whole moxley conversation i thought maybe he was the one that was going to beat moxley at the collective and i would have been happy with it too because he was he's done anything and everything that gcw's asked for him and he stepped up and and like answered every single call and he's knocked it out of the park too so um I like to see Cole Radrick keep on going with that as well, defending that title match. Like I said, if we're not going to get any other titles, no world titles, ultra violent now seems to be going back to Japan for a little bit. Um, I, we want a defending champion and Cole is stepped up to the plate. He's answered all the awesome matches that he's been doing. He's been answering the call. And I think he's a great choice for extreme championship. And even though he's had like two title defenses, I think it's a good way to start off his title defenses as well. Um, going back to yeah, that crazy spot with Axon, uh, the more I kind of watch Axon, especially in these scramble matches, like he's kind of turning into a little gringo loco, except a little bigger and more, a yeah. little bit more yeah. athletic and younger, obviously. But he's kind of turned into the base god where, like how you said, he. Alex Price jumped right from the ground onto Axon's shoulders. He held him, made sure he didn't fall off, and jumped right off onto Jimmy Lloyd and hit that DDT. Like Axon's Axon impresses me every time, even if it's mm-hmm. as, a, as a base and he's not the one on the offense. He is incredible to watch in such a short time, and I just can't wait to keep seeing more of Axon. I definitely now want to see more of Alex Price. I he's grown on me. Um, like to see those two possibly have either team up and make a great tag team or maybe one of them turn face. I think Axton, I don't know, like with him, if he's more of a face or a heel, like it's kind of hard. He's like a tweener right now. And that's fine. We're still trying to learn him and learn more about him and see his moveset, see his skills, see what he brings to the table. So I think they got time to kind of play that story out a little bit more with Axton, but I, I would like to see Axton and Price go at it a little bit more. Um, this match was very fast paced. It was just nonstop, like a typical scramble. But it was Mm -hmm. a lot shorter match as it was only seven minutes. So they really just had to go, 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 get the shit in. But that didn't mean it took, it wasn't an exciting match. It kind of sometimes makes it more exciting where we got seven minutes of just, whoa, what's over there? Whoa, what's over there? Like, I love that kind of feeling, especially like in the fans. uh, Like, they don't know where to focus. And sometimes us, if we get the single camera, we don't get that second gear split screen camera action. We kind of don't understand what's going on, but the camera did a very good job of picking it up. Uh, I know we were kind of talking about the production and sound quality of the first night. They kind of, on night two, they definitely got rid of that whatever rectangle box was on there night one. I remember I even yeah. texted him like, hey, yeah. is this my screen? Am I lagging? Or am I like buffering here? Like my whole right side of the screen's going bad. And you're like, no, it's mine too. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But they fixed that. <laughs> Those production issues out, at least for this match. And uh to start off the night for homecoming night two, I think they had to come out strong, especially with, they, with the way they ended night one and night one was so incredible. I thought this was a very good way to start off night two and all these names are very well deserving, could be a uh, extreme title holder as well. So I was like, when they have people like this in those matches, I always wonder like any one of these people could win. So it adds way more unpredictability to the match, which I love seeing as a fan. You know, Gringo Loco, <clears throat> Excuse me, Gringo Loco had a top rope standing Spanish fly on Axton. 
that if anybody has a chance to go back, check it out. Impressive. Uh, Gringo Loco has a look to him also, if if you kind of put your blinders on for a minute from when you first started watching him. That if you look at him, you didn't think he was a super, super high flyer either. Oh, no, I know. He's no, not at all. And when he started doing some shit, I'm going, oh, 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 damn. Oh, he's good. And then and then I finally got it. Uh, there's another one here where Axton did a spinning power bomb on Alec Price. Another impressive move. Oh, yeah. The, and, I, and the rotation on that one is like yeah. incredible. Like that one, I remember like once you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that spot clicked in my mind. Like, yeah, that's like he just is so powerful and quick and agile. Like he put all three of those moves into that power bomb, and that was a sick looking spinning power bomb. Dude, and then the, on top of that price, he has like that lankier look more. He has the long limbs. So when he was spinning, it just looked fantastic. It looked way better. <laughs> yes, you're right. That adds more to the aesthetic of that, that move. And yeah, that's a great catch by you. Yeah. And then, oh, thanks, man. And uh, there, there was just, this is going to come back to my point again. This really was Axton's match. This match featured Axton a lot. I didn't even realize until I looked at my next note that the pre three previous notes just happened to be Gringo Loco with Axton, Axton on Price, Masha. Okay, so let's talk about this because I just want to kind of mention it quickly. I'm assuming that Masha is injured from what I've seen lately. Um, but Masha uh, was carrying Axton on her shoulder, and I think it was a miscommunication because I'm not sure, but she was yelling or saying something. I think she was hoping that he was going to do a full uh, barrel roll forward. But what happened was he didn't do any rotation, and it looks like he got dropped on his shoulder. So I'm not 100% sure how or what it went wrong, but Masha's had a couple times lately where some bad things has happened. So again, I'm really hoping that she's not injured. I'm defaulting on that because I've never seen. Um, no, I don't want to say I've never seen. I just want to say that if something ever happens with someone like her, it's very rare. And then you don't see it again for a very long time. And I've seen it a couple matches in a row, which tells me there very, may very well be an injury that she's nursing or trying to work through and kudos to her. But uh, yeah, I've seen it a couple times now and I'm hoping that it, uh, I don't want to say I'm hoping it's an injury, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it would be with someone at her level. Yeah, and I think this, the same can be said for Jimmy Lloyd. Like, I <laughs> I know I said he was in this match, but like I kind of forgot he was in this match because he was kind of the one just taking all the damage. But like I said on the night prior, he was in that scramble as well. It seems like I think he did he did miss a couple shows before like the homecoming was his first match back. I know we saw him at the Bunkhouse Brawl, like, but he was not participating in it. He was just there mm -hmm. to enjoy the party and be part of the, the celebration that happened on camera. But it's he's those last two scrambles he was kind of non-existent as well other than just making the other being a base for the other people doing their moves so i think they're both possibly fighting through injuries but this being their biggest show of the year they wanted to fight through it um it be put on that show at least and be represented and i think this was cool of brett to kind of like hide them as hey like you've worked your ass off for us all year long as i said last time we got more gcw regulars on these shows for homecoming we want to kind of this is our home you're now part of our roster and crew we like you so yes take it easy go scramble match we can kind of hide you there so that way you still get the pop you still get to have fun in the ring but also like hey don't go crazy and don't injure yourself more or don't injure someone else but i i think masha and jimmy are going through some injuries and speculation but i like you said, I hope it isn't something seriously bad, and I hope whatever it is, it gets uh, healed fast, so that way we can see Jimmy and Masha at 100% doing what yeah. they do best and being freaking menaces in the ring. Um, 
going back to this match then uh it was a short match so like we kind of said all those cool moves that happened in that seven minutes and Paul radrick does end up retaining and uh pinned alec price for the victory and he gets to have his second title defense of the gcw extreme title on to match two of the evening we have maki ito going one-on-one -on -one against dark chic and this is maki ito's first gcw show and we did see her the night before at jcw so i was kind of that was a nice little way of hey Get your feel for kind of how it's going to be. And then we're going to get you on the big show the next night. And I'm kind of like a big Maki Ito fan, even though I'm not into Joshi too much. But I know, like, I've seen a lot of clips of her on my Twitter feed and stuff that she's doing with, uh, uh, I think it's TJ Pro Wrestling or something like that. The Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. I think that's what they're called. Mm -hmm. But uh, I like seeing Maki Ito. And I, I was kind of excited when they announced that she was coming. I'm like, oh, cool. We get to kind of see another foreign talent that I might not see often in a GCW ring. And I was looking forward to this match, especially against Dark Sheik, who he holds her own with the ring, uh, in the ring in that match. And I think it was a good complimentary with Maki Ito to kind of see what they would both deliver. What was your opinions on this? Okay, so I'll start by saying, because, because this is kind of an interesting little, little story here. But I'll start by saying I saw Maki originally first in AEW. Yeah, um, I believe there was an appearance, if not two appearances. Yep. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I saw her over there and I understood what she was doing, but I was highly critical of her wrestling, which at that time, maybe it was just too much going on or it was a big crowd. I don't know what it was, but I wasn't impressed. Maybe it was just the fact that there was um, a clash of styles with whomever she was with at the time. But I just remember that she wasn't somebody I was I was talking about her wrestling the next day. Um, but I just wanted to mention that because I was critically, I was critical about her in my notes from the beginning. My first note was, uh, she had the best lip syncing of the night because, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. You know, she had so to save her voice did, for later on in the show. And honestly, there was quite a bit of it where she sung in a lower volume. I'm just kind of, yeah. I guess this is me just with my notes being a little, okay. So I did want to say this because I did want to say what I did see. I put, I get it because she's a cute thing. So I could see a lot of guys really enjoying that, especially, you know, guys who are single or whatnot that really, <laughs> oh, I like her. You know, she has an incredible amount of personality. I got that right off the bat. There was no way to, to go away from that. Great facial expressions. From the from the crying that I'm about to mention to the oh I'm in anguish and pain she has great facial expression she shows them well it's obvious she's practiced them and it really does a lot for her I also am a big fan here we go with the colors I loved the blood red outfit with the black it's obvious that someone had spent good her or someone spent really good money on making sure she has good gear I'm a Big, big, big proponent on good gear. If you have good gear and you have a bad night, at least you look good doing it. Right. I'm yeah. not. I'm not shitting you, but that that really is. And also, people can look you up and down like they would at let's just say the mall or at, at somewhere else, and they can know, hey, these guy, this person believes in themselves, or hey, they've invested money in themselves, or hey, you can really see it in the gear. Unfortunately, if you see someone coming out in sweatpants and it's not as impressive if you see someone coming out in gear that they've worked their ass off to save up for some, you know, some nice gear. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, I, I so, just going back to real fast. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. You. Yeah. Just going back no, to no. what you think, uh, the Machito, I, those, those two things you said of why fans like her, like, I love her personality, her facial reactions and the yep. story that she tells in the ring. Like, I like how she could 
pick up the intensity and go crazy for two minutes, and then she can bring it right back down and control the crowd with her facial reactions, her mannerisms. I love the freaking headbutt that she does. Like I always look look forward to seeing how they're gonna do it. And sometimes, yes. most of the times, it's the typical boom hit it. But I love seeing the other times, like oh, someone caught it and they knew it was coming and she missed it. Or as we saw in this match, she kind of did the uh, dark sheik did the rollout out of the way the first time. Makito's like, nope, I got you, and then hit her again on the second time. And I, I just love seeing that from uh, Maki, and that's why I'm a huge fan of Makito. Just based off of what you just exactly said was yeah. those reasons exactly. Well, so, excuse me. So what was going on basically was that I was highly critical because I'm going somewhat off of what I'd seen on Twitter because her Twitter feed was primarily one of the things that really fed what made her popular because, of course, she's taking pictures and posting on there. Of course, you know, the guys like to look at that. (laughs) Okay, so so what made me critical was I, I am a really big fan of comedy. And one of the things I know about comedy is that cussing is cheap. No lie. Cussing is cheap. There are quite a few people who can do it wonderfully. They can weave it into their words, uh, into their stories wonderfully. But I would see her go, um, good morning, motherfuckers, or uh, going to the beach, bitch, or, um, you know, <laughs> scratching my ass, fuckers, or, you know, and I'm going, you know, all she's doing is saying something regular and then just putting a cuss word with it and it's coming off cheap edgy so that's what i'm originally seeing as somebody who's looking deeply at what's going on is okay this girl is getting her popularity from obviously looks and also she has this attitude mixed with her you know her her flair for everything else that she has going on and that's what i was putting it as so i thought she was really coasting more on her looks than her actual wrestling ability that i was judging from my previous experiences and then she comes out she does her thing and it was starting to click more and more and i'm going to get into later tonight where i flipped but it's not this match that really impressed me the most about her there was a really special i'm not kidding i believe it was a really special moment and uh we'll talk more about that later but it was just something that i thought was really um was really worth mentioning was the fact that i'm not gonna lie i was it's not that i'm wrong it's just an opinion but i wanted to tell you that the more i learned and the more i saw the more i was able to change my opinion and see what others are seeing in maki ito yeah it's like just like watching other stuff if you've never seen them before you gotta like okay i know this i know that i know this and then as you see it more you get to see how the piss the pieces uh work together and to create what maybe other people like or still you might not like the way it connected and doesn't connect with you and like we've talked on a couple different wrestlers and stuff like that it's fine like not just because we doesn't like we don't like the wrestlers or we're not a fan of them at that moment or what they're doing doesn't mean they're bad wrestlers doesn't mean that no everybody should boo them like we just have different opinions on it and i just think like i i like i said i've always liked uh makita for what you said but i and the people that I don't connect with, I understand why I don't connect with them because it's not my style, but I get why they connect with other people. And Maki Ito connect, I can see where she connects with a lot of people, but where a lot of people get turned off of it. Like how you said with the colorful language, like I don't, I'm not saying KG does it just to get that cheap pop and stuff like that, because it's just, it's KG. It's a natural stuff. I know that's a lot of hate he gets is using all those profanity, all the profanity on commentary and blah, blah, blah. Where yeah. I think where Makito kind of uses that uh of that fuck you and stuff like that or I'm going to the beaches bitches because I think that's her way of kind of like her, what she thinks of the American people want to hear is from yeah. is that kind of shit because that's probably what they 
portray Americans or other people from other countries and that that's how they portrayed in Japan. So I think that's where she was kind of trying to warm up to the crowd to get, uh, especially as much as like the Josie Russians kind of blown up here recently in the last couple of months, because of the good stuff that they're doing out there in Japan with the, the Joshi pro wrestling. And then also with making it more easily accessible to us as fans with the wrestle universe and with these other Noah's and DDTs and stuff. I think us mm-hmm. as fans are just more wrestling that we could watch from another country that we might not know of, but there's some really good shit out there. And I think with her uh, now getting into the American scene and being more popular with American fans, I think that's what she thinks she needs to get over with us. And I like hearing it. Cause like, I always just think of it as like a smart ass remark, like I'm going to the beach. Bye, bitches. Like, yes. I kind of like that. Like, yes. I'm better than you kind of thing. So I think she's playing it up as a heel. But I really do like how she's tried it. As you said, later on, she does kind of <laughs> do something pretty incredible. Like, I was saying it's pretty incredible as well. What she did later on, we'll talk about that. But I'm a huge fan of Maki Ito, And, like, I think she fits GCW kind of perfectly. I was kind of disappointed mm-hmm. she didn't get I the do. first match yeah. in GCW. But I like I said earlier, I think it was a good warm-up in JCW against Billy Starks. The kind of acclimator of, hey, this is what you're going to see. This is what's going to mm-hmm. happen. So I think that was a good way, especially I think that was a good opponent opponent putting her in with Dark Sheik. So when I was watching her and I was trying to form my opinion, my thought process was given the Joshi culture, I thought that maybe the cussing was it was she's cute. She's a kid. She's cussing. So it kind of has that. You know, it's like when you were a kid, if you can get, you know, if you were nine, if you can get a five year old to say, you know, shit. And yeah, then all your all your friends are laughing because you got your little brother to say shit. Like Stone Cold. Yeah. Like I was I was like, oh, well, I get to say 316. I just whipped your ass. I get to buy that shirt because it's wrestling and I love wrestling and, I, and it has the word ass on it. Oh, I'm badass yep. now, too. Kind of thing. Like, yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree with that opinion. So, I mean, that's what I that's that's where I was coming from. And that's what I was watching. So, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, things change over time. Speaking of the whole situation with her having a good look, one of the things that really showed me her facial expressions was when she cried. Gotcha. She had that stunt where she cries and <laughs> the fans started calling Cheek a sick fuck. And, you know, so, I mean, one of those things right there was a great showing as to why, though. I mean, the, the face, the eyes, she really spent a lot of time on that. So I really appreciate that. I also can say she's another wrestler who has a series of, say, four, five, six things in every match that she likes to include. The crying being one of them. You know, she likes to stomp on their foot and kind of, you know, uh, you know, step back and forth on it. There's a lot of things there. She has a formula. So what I wanted to say about that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she has a little dance to it. I like it. (laughs) Her formula is almost like the orange Cassidy style formula where you see the same six things. So what I want to say about her, it's good and it's bad, but she's going to be good in small doses so that we don't see the same match, uh, eight times over three months. So it's going to be nice to see her come up, come over, be welcomed back, put on the show. We know she's going to put on and then go from there because same thing, orange Cassidy's wrestling saves him from being stale. But I will say that after you've seen it a couple times, you've seen it. Yes. Um, so I just want to say the same thing with Maki. I don't want to put her in a situation where her, because her gimmicks are so damn good. Why change it? So you're going to see it over and over because it, it, it makes sense. There's always a new pair of eyes damn near every night. 
every show in wrestling. So somebody saw Maki for the first time that night. How cool, you know? So, uh, you know, she has the thing where she has a strong head. That's another one of the things that she does. And then she starts hulking up with the turnbuckle shots that, uh, that she tried to give her and uh, followed it up with the uh, Kokeshi headbutt. And that was one where I just, uh, I didn't even know what the hell that was. I had to go over and look it up because Paige <laughs> mentioned it. And my goodness. So there's a lot of cool things that this girl can do. And yes, she can wrestle. So I found out I was wrong about that. I'm not there to really, I'm not the bar either for no, opinion. For sure, yeah. But yeah, she had a much better showing here than she did in the AEW matches that I'd seen. No, I, yep, I agree too. Like, I, I was excited to see her in AEW because, like I said, I do remember back then too because of just the clips that they were showing. But like you said, I felt a little disappointed where something didn't click or maybe like the time, all that time traveling to uh, America, oh, yeah. being jet lagged or something that could affect it. And I, I just think that like, this match too, like, I loved it. I loved. Dark, this might, might be my favorite Dark Sheik match as well because she killed it too, playing along with it. And I think she was a perfect, um, like with the, her facial reactions too to Maki. I think she, like her, the veteran status in Dark Sheik definitely came out in this match. And I loved it. Like I said, I loved seeing Maki be in GCWing. I want to see more of it. But Dark Sheik, like this was a phenomenal match for her, in my opinion. And I, I love seeing those two. Like I was kind of, um, just based off of what you said, the AEW, I was a little bit worried how Maki would be, but after seeing her match against Billy, and even that, I still think this was way better than the match with Billy, even though Billy, there was more action as well. Well, this one literally had more comedy, but I think it was the perfect spots for the comedy and perfect, like you said, facial reactions on both competitors. I I love this match. I, I love like, the, the crying, like, ah! she hit me in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then the crowd, of course, AC crowd picked it up and like, added more to it with the you sick fuck you sick fuck i just love when there's smart <laughs> fans like that that don't take over the show per se but they could add a lot to the show so i i was i was excited for this match not as much as i was some of these other matches but i was really excited because makito coming back and i this was a very enjoyable match for me yeah the one thing i really like is when gcw fans find it cool to play along so, you know, when she's over there crying in the corner, they pile up on Sheik's ass for that, you know. <laughs> yep. So uh, you're right, though. Sheik had a lot of offense. The one thing I wrote down here was the leg drops. There was some impressive leg drops from several different levels, you know, one from the top rope, one over the top rope, one from standing one. So I don't know if she was trying to make it a point, but she had an impressive showing of the several different leg drops that she knows how to do. The Maki Ito chance again were off the charts. I had it written down here again because by the end of the night, they had only grown louder. Yes. And um, yeah, the winner of this one was Maki Ito. She did a top rope DDT onto Sheik and it was just lights out. This was almost an 11 minute match. It was really, really um, a great first showing on the GCW stage for Maki. And I think Dark Sheik handled it really well. And I think with the amount of Dark Sheik offense that came in to play here, I'm really surprised how well over um, Maki still went. I mean, still had the spotlight, even though not always having the spotlight. Yeah, I think uh, Dark Sheik, they, she might get rewarded for this match. I think these are one of those ones where, hey, 
Like you knocked it out of the park. You did exactly what you needed to do for her. But you, in my opinion, you came out really good for yourself too, where this might, she might get some bigger matches as she had a, a few months ago. And like, like uh, against Jordan, against um, uh, Alley catch and stuff like that. I think she, maybe she'll start being, getting in more prominent matches after that one. Cause this was a big match for her too. Cause like anyone going against Maki Ito on this excursion over here is it's, you're going to have gonna to get attention. Point. Yeah. And you're going to exactly, you got to prove a point and you're going to get attention. And, um, I love this match and I liked how, uh, Maki Ito hit that DDT for the win. I like how I, I, I could be confusing matches, but I don't know if it was this match or her against Billy where she like attempted the D hit the DDT on a couple different levels or attempted to hit it and kept on missing. But when she finally hit that big one, that was the final statement. And I love, like I always talk about the struggle of hitting your finisher and the story that could be told with that. They did a very good job with this, um, during this match as well. And as you said, uh, the please come back chance. I, yeah. Maki, yeah. Please come back. I would love to see it. Cause like I said, I, I like, I don't think she's the greatest wrestler, but she's very entertaining. And I, I get a kick out of her every time. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious about something and I don't want to dig too much into it, but, but it's worth, a, it's worth asking. And this is something that I think in an interview I want to cover. And I just thought this would be a great time to bring it up. But dark chic obviously had to do homework to do the uh do the stuff that maki ito does so i mean you have to know that when she cries you do this and when this moves okay so i would love to know how much homework is done when dark chic say has to research maki ito is it say five matches and you understand the spots is it five matches but then when you get to the show she goes hey you know this one this one this one this one let's do that i would uh I'd really love to know how that, you know, how that goes on. Is it just, hey, watch five shows with my five spots. And once you get those five spots, it's lights out. You know, it's like once you know the diamond cutter, I mean, you just belly out on a diamond cutter. Once you do that once and you see it a couple shows, that's all you need. And then, boom, you're going to be able to go into the ring with Diamond Dallas Page. That and the language barrier, too, I think is a tough one yep. to call these matches in the ring. Like, I always wonder whenever there's like um, someone whose English is not their first language, or if like a dark sheik, my Mike Eager can't understand dark sheik either. Like, I just, I always wonder, like, how much, as you said, preparation or film or even backstage while they're going over the match, like, even that part, but got to be frustrated and struggling. But then I know, like, a lot of stuff is called in the ring and seeing how that all works out and, for the majority we don't even notice the little hiccups where the wrestlers might be like hey yeah we missed like two minutes of our match because we had five spots going but we accidentally skipped over it or we messed it up and just kept on going like i always like to hear like the inner workings of how the matches are put together and some of the callback like and i could have talked about this long on a couple episodes few episodes where all the callbacks that are done during these matches or these little things these little details were maybe on Social media was, hey, I saw this in the background, and then something, that little piece gets put into a match two months later. I love the callbacks. I love the history. And I always wonder, like, did they do that on purpose, or is that just something that happened naturally? And maybe, like, KG called it on commentary, like, and brought it out. Like, I always wonder, like, are they, the wrestlers paying that much detail? Yes. Yes. That's crazy. Like, and to me, that's where, like, yeah, you guys are awesome, amazing, and ultimate professionals because that's the shit like i'm watching i'm like oh that'd be cool then it happens i'm like that's something like very few people would catch on but them to be able to call it back during a match is amazing to me and i love i love those little things well what i'm thinking is performers have heroes performers have people they look up to 
you know, performers have these teachers that they learn from. And performers also have to figure out what moves they want to do. So they have to go out there and select what the, you know, what's most comfortable to them, what works with their style. So chances are, you know, they go through and they find out, man, I'm a lot like this guy. And guess what? They start to study or, hey, if they're fortunate, he's still alive and they can go over and maybe talk to him, get his blessing, talk to him about their finish or whatever it is. And so I think that because a lot of them are also fans and a lot of them are mega fans, um, FTR and Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. That's a great that, example. That's going to be what I was going to say as an example is I know like they had a yeah. lot of minute little things, but pulled from all these different matches into their matches. It's crazy. See? Yeah. And I just I just thought that this is a situation where I wanted to bring up that I am damn near 100 percent as someone could be 100 percent sure that. There's a lot of callbacks because it's respect. It's, it's, you know, all the groundwork that's happened. But yeah, man, let's be honest. You get on the stage and you have a chance to show off and you have a chance to really do something that you've wanted to do. And you look up to someone and they're the reason that you do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. You got motivation to, yeah. to do well, the dude, right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I played trombone. You know, I was a music nerd for the longest time. I played trombone. The one thing that I wanted to do for sure was I definitely wanted to play, you know, a tune by a popular trombone player too, just because that's what you do. Yeah. Same thing. Guitar players love to play Jimi Hendrix and Clapton and they want to try out some Metallica and same thing, same thing. So these guys go out there and they go, boom. Yeah. I'm going to pull off the Lariat tonight. Stan Hansen style, baby. Yeah. See, I love like Joey. Yeah. No, and I think the one that's popping my mind is Joey had like three or four matches in a row. I was like, you caught that little detail that like to me just blew my mind because of something like you changed a move because it didn't work. If you saw a previous match of your opponent, like I just love the intricate pulling of all these different stories. That's what's awesome about like the independent wrestling scene. There's so much out there you can pull from to make it look amazing yep. in your platform. So this was another, like we were saying another fun match. And I just loved uh, Maki getting the GCW rub and also Dark Sheik. Like I said, that was, in my mind, the best I've seen Dark Sheik. For the third matchup of Homecoming Day or Night 2, we have Ninja Mac going against Kevin Blackwood. And once again, I kind of always look at Styles heading into the match. And this one was a clash of Styles that I was kind of excited to see at least Ninja Mac hopefully use his ground game because I know. Kevin Blackwood loves his technical abilities and Ninja Mac likes testing his te technical abilities against great technical wrestlers. And I was kind of hoping Ninja Mac would stick to the ground, but I was also wanting to see the high flyness because that's what always makes Ninja Mac so fun to watch. And the night before we kind of saw a more grounded Ninja Mac in his uh, match the night before. So I was kind of hoping Ninja Mac would let it loose and go a little crazy, but it did stay a more technical matchup. What were your thoughts on this match, John? Um, I like that Ninja Mac once again was entering with the Noah shirt. I love the gear he had on that night. Uh, makes him look a lot cleaner. It looks him uh, looks more professional. Yes. And so, as a fan, it just uh, I don't know, man. My guy looks good. So, <laughs> um, there were a lot of Blackwood Ninja chants. It started from the beginning and went throughout. So it was kind of nice to see that both of them were getting respect on that side. I really like that KG called the suplex a suplex. For those who don't know, that is the actual term for a suplex. I studied Gordon Soley. That's coming from Gordon Soley. He's one of the very few people that would ever call it a suplex. 
But yes, if you look it up, it is French and it is a souple. I did put down here in my notes that Ninja is generally exciting and people usually uh, will stand throughout the match at times. I put that they didn't do this that much in this match. I do not want to say it was because of those two primarily. I do also want to say that maybe just they were gassed from the previous, the fans were gassed from the previous match. But I did notice this was just a little more lukewarm than usual. Usually Ninja Mac match is, is hot. So I just wanted to make those men, uh, mentions on this match. And I think it's like kind of how I was saying, like normally we all want to see Ninja Mac go fly and hit the 630 Phoenix flashes. We like seeing him do the cart or backflips to a cartwheel outside and do the tope cone helos and all that stuff. But I think Ninja had a point to prove this weekend and he wanted... He didn't get as high flying as he did, obviously, with Jordan, but with Kevin Blackwood, I think that's where this normally the stylistic matchups when they differ. I'm usually excited to see it, but I think this is where like we were kind of talking to with Blackwood, where I think he doesn't mesh well too well when it becomes a match with high flying high flyers and because he's oh, always trying to work oh. the ground and striking. I just think like especially with Ninja Mac, as much as he flies, I just think stylistically, this was one of these matchups where I was interested to see Ninja Mac do the groundwork, but he just like, there was no high flying at all. Like that I can remember from this match, like he hit the, at the end, he hits his Phoenix splash, but like during the match, like he tries to do his high flying, like maybe two or three times, but Kevin Blackwood just kind of took control of the match and kept it on the ground. And I think that also kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the crowd. And as you said before, they had a crazy night one and a, crazy start tonight too as well so i just think like stylistically maybe that's why the fans didn't like it and i that's how i kind of felt during this match too is like i like seeing ninja on the ground but kevin blackwood's kind of style is not really like i've seen ninja mac do uh, we've seen it too at uh, the collective when he's doing the blood sport that's a little bit different more different style than just a technical wrestling match because it incorporates some mma stuff and rules and techniques uh -huh. and i think that's where ninja kind of excelled is in a blood sport kind of technical ability and ground game and stuff like that where with the blackwood he just was methodical with it, it wasn't a high paced match which is fine you can't we can't have every match be ninja mac flying all over the place and this is awesome chance every night like every match is in the card so this was a little like you said on the lukewarm side but i think the fans just had so much going on and stylistically didn't help either but i i like saying ninja mac i just want, I want to see him do more of the high flying because obviously that's what we see. But when he breaks out the technical ability against certain competitors, it's also a fun sight to watch as well. So no lie, I really do feel that the way Blackwood's set up is that it's more of an old-fashioned style. And I mean that by the fact that uh, there are more strikes and there are more holds. And those are the two things that I know Blackwood really uh, prides himself on having are those strong strikes. And then he has those tremendous, I mean, so many different holds that he uses. Yeah, this really was boots to the ground just like Kevin more or less is his boots to the ground. So it seemed like Ninja kind of more or less stayed more towards that level. Um, it's almost a situation where uh, Ninja was pushing Blackwood's uh, style upward to more to more higher ground. And I felt like Ninja was coming downward to the ground to meet Blackwood so that these two could have less of a stylistic clash and more of an actual uh, fluid match. Um, that's, I think... That's almost everything else that I have to say about that one. I just wanted to make sure that I got in there that um, it really was one of these things where they really uh, are in the match. And it was a, a decent match. 
I'm really surprised it went even 10 minutes um, just because the, the crowd was just kind of lukewarm. And again, I don't know what it could be. Maybe just the people who were yelling and screaming decided that was the time to go, you know, because like I'm one of the ones that I get loud in the crowd. Sometimes the 10% create 90% of the noise. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this might be one of those situations where two, three, four, five of the people that really lead the crowd in noises might be doing something. Maybe they even know each other. Or even but, saving uh, their voices for what's possibly coming up later, which they know if they look at the card, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just, I wanted to mention that, though. You know, Ninja Max still came out with the way I hear Phoenix Splash on Blackwood. So it was a great finish there. Ninja still made the, you know, came out with the win on that one. I, uh, I'm still making sure that I take in every minute of Ninja Max that I can while he's still here and doing his stuff over here. And again, I'm really thankful for Noah for uh, being kind enough to let him still work over here in the States while he's over uh, under contract in Japan. Yeah, that could be another reason, too, Ninja didn't want to fly around. It's like, hey, maybe I got something big coming up in Noah in a couple of weeks, and maybe that's why I'm just, hey, let's take it easy, be safe. Don't kind of ruin maybe a big chance that I have in Noah and getting hurt at a GCW show. So maybe that's why uh, Ninja Mac kind of would have stayed on the ground this weekend. Who knows? Like you said, there's well, a lot of different reasons. Self-preservation is the name of the game. Yeah. And his- I'm thinking I'm thinking it's just maybe he had a little bit more to save that night because we don't know what he was doing possibly the next night or the night before. We also don't know what kind of injuries he may have been nursing. That was going to be my next point. Yeah, like all the yeah, high flying yeah. stuff like, hey, you can't do that every night. Every once in a while, you do got to scale it back and kind of pace yourself. So that could be a possibly reason why this match like didn't pop off as I, we kind of thought it would. But yes, overall, like still, I've seen way worse. And I felt I felt way worse watching a match. I didn't like I said that was it wasn't I don't have anything bad to say. It just was different than what I expected. But that's absolutely fine. Kevin Blackwood still got a bright future. I just think stylistically, maybe they absolutely. can match him up a little bit better. Or maybe he could instead of bringing people down to his level, maybe kind of expand his moveset and kind of make it more accessible for other wrestlers as well. But can't wait to see Ninja Mac and Kevin Blackwood in the GCW ring again at some other point. For the fourth match of the evening, we have a six-man tag match at SGC. Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice going against Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, and the ever uh, divisive right now, Blake Christian. And <laughs> we talked a lot about the booze. I kind of, I just maybe during this match, maybe want to bring it up once or twice because there was kind of cool interactions based off of that. I don't want to go and rehash everything i know we talked about that for a while but that was also very interesting and i think it deserved all that time we talked about on the last podcast but this one it was interesting to kind of see um when blake came out and he got the booze again and he kind of smiled about it he was more kind of receptive of it didn't catch him off guard he kind of knew what to expect um he did get a lot more cheers than he did the night before because obviously the people that were he got more support than what he did the night before, for sure. And I yeah. think being in the team with Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne kind of helped that situation out as well. But going against SGC was an interesting combination because no one boos SGC. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what they're right, doing. Right. SGC is a crowd favorite no matter what's going on. And uh, I like seeing at the beginning of the match, before even anything happened, obviously the boos start again and Blake kind of played up to it. But you can see Jordan kind of walk over. And as we talked about before, Jordan's kind of been through the same situation 
with the same exact crowd in a recent time. And it's kind of like <laughs> him looking at Blake. Ah, now you got it now. How does it feel? Like kind of thing. Like, I know how it feels. And you just see like Justice, Warner and Manders like looking at the crowd like and they're just booing the shit out of Blake. And like they're even like, wow, like, yeah, you guys got something against you. I don't know what you did, Blake, but <laughs> you got the crowd against you here. So I like seeing all the different faces kind of react to it in in real time and with the oh, yeah. in the ring. So, um, yeah, what was your thoughts on this match as it once it finally did get started or whatever you want to say beforehand? Because I think I know I talked a lot there before the match even started, but that's why I was just really interested in watching see what would happen on night two of the Boo Blake Christian night. Oh, man. Uh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, so right off the bat, I was really curious, just like you were, to figure out how the fans were really going to receive Blake. Heavy, heavy, heavy booze. Honestly, I didn't know why commentary spent time extensively throughout this entire match uh, trying to put over Blake and trying to explain, hey, to the new crowd especially, we don't understand what the hell he's done wrong. He's really worked his ass off. He's been loved from day one here in GCW. So something has changed recently. We don't know why. And, and they didn't really spend I would say the entire match, mm -hmm. bell to bell, making sure that they explain, hey, this is kind of screwy, guys. You know, we don't understand it. And they actually said they did not understand that. Yeah. Um, I would say safely that any heel push that was ever going to happen at this point for Blake is gone. Because if there was going to be a heel turn from this point forward, that night would have been it, if any. Uh, or even the Cardona wedding. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're kidding. Oh, it's all good. Like I'm gonna bring that. that up as well. Um, yeah, I I just noticed that. I really, I'm really curious, and and I'm gonna ask someone one day, what advice do veteran, do veteran wrestlers give to younger guys who are in this exact situation? I I would love to know. I I can't really expand on it. I just wanted to make sure that I said that. Because I would love to see what happens when one of these veterans is sitting here watching a pay-per-view and they see this kid just getting chewed up by the fans. They can see it on his face. It's affecting him. You can see he's doing his best to work with it. I, I'm wondering who calls him or who sets him down and says, hey, kid, you know, get through it. It's going to be fine. And, and you know, they... There, I'm just hoping there's somebody out there that picks him up because same thing, man. He's just a simple kid from, you know, the middle of the country, obviously a very, very nice guy. And um, I'm really hoping things do turn around. I, I think we should maybe, maybe at some point talk a little bit more on this because I feel like maybe it was a group of fans that started it last night. And then tonight, I just feel like some more people felt like that was the popular thing to do. So they may have piled on yeah, more than because I'm going to tell you both you and I watch a shitload of GCW and both you and I can clueless on why this is going on. Yeah. I mean, like we had our own opinions that like we did and our own guesses, but it is absolutely like not 100% of the reason why everyone else booed him. I know yeah. like we talked about I talked about like why if I was there, I would have booed him. And we talked about it plenty on this podcast of why. But there's not a definitive answer. Why, and like, as you said, I think KG did a very good job of and commentary, just not KG, but commentary in general, didn't just shit on Blake what they could have easily done. They kind of like and it's honest, like a real honest answer. Like, we don't know why, like. I have my reason why I would have done it, but as a general, as like, as everybody, there's no like general consensus. Cause he even brought up, Hey, is it my 
girlfriend dating another wrestler now and not me is it because i signed to another company is it because i'm the one talking all the time and they're giving me the mic and i don't really have control of that like there's all these possible reasons why but no one knows why and like as you said all it takes is a couple people and one night it could turn into everything because I was actually just listening to another podcast and they brought up a situation like when John Cena went to Montreal, Quebec, and they were talking like he brought in like a music video or a rap or something and they booed him. And that's where the John Cena sucks chance started. And then like the next week on Raw, he's getting booed again from a different American crowd because that's what they saw the week before that crowd doing. So they feel they got to act accordingly as well and boo as well. And then it just sticks with people, unfortunately, like how I was stuck with John Cena. And I don't see that happening with Blake because I, 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 whatever I have, I've talked with him about the booing of Blake. He is phenomenal in the ring. One of the top three, four rest, like actual in-ring wrestlers that I love watching in GCW. Mm-hmm. So there's not really like a specific why, but I loved how he kind of owned it this night. He didn't, wasn't caught off guard as we see kind of like, like as in your notes, I was gonna just say the exact same thing. Like he was walking away from the crowd, like, oh, you guys want me gone? Yeah. Okay, leap. And that's why I was kind of originally thinking when I first saw this match, not saw the match announced, but after uh what happened the night prior and the way this match t- started, I was like, Oh, Blake could really go full heel here and leave Jordan yes. and Nick Wayne off to their own against SGC and just walk out. And that's why I was thinking was going to happen originally just because hey let's turn this make this a heel turn now or as we kind of see later on like maybe something else happened at the end where he would maybe cost blake and jordan or sorry cost jordan and nick the match and stuff like that so i think they had a lot of possibilities they could go with it but i was kind of at least happier to see blake kind of acknowledge it play along with it not take himself as seriously and i think that kind of right away takes a lot of the power away from the fans when he owns it where they won't sit there and hijack the entire night because he's playing around with it. And he's like, hey, it's not affecting me as much as it did last night, guys. Like, you're not going to hijack the show like how you did the previous night. Yeah, I think the concern here is he's not being accepted as a heel and he's not being accepted as a face. And that's hard to sleep on as a performer. I really do think that now may be the time, if any, to be the heel because I don't think there's any other way to get out of this at this time than to really embrace it. Otherwise, he's going to be in for a very long ride of fuck yous for the next who knows how many months. And it's really going to upset booking in the way that we're going to try to get, tell one story and it's going to end up being another story anytime we put Blake in the mix because there's a chance we don't know exactly how these fans are going to react, but we know it's not going to be the way that we want them to react. Yeah, it was very obvious that uh, management, not, not management, but it was very obvious that everybody that was working at GCW was doing their best to make sure that, yeah, he was put over as a good guy and none of this was necessary. I... Uh, I can say neither good nor bad. I do know that us as fans, we really are into ourselves and what is cool at the time. So I, I just want to say that if I if somebody thinks somebody's all oh, really cool, I will actually spend a little more time checking them out, tearing apart who they are, and I'm going to try to find out where the hype is. And I actually will sometimes find myself in the same situation where I will gravitate to people sometimes because other people may uh, have already gravitated to them. And I just need to know the reason why. And then I, I eventually figure out in time, but a lot of fuck them up. Manders fuck them up came out. Boring chance came out. There was a lot of hate going around there on Blake Oliver and Wayne though, a lot of great teamwork. They really put a lot of effort into showing that Blake and uh, that Blake was more of an outsider and Jordan and Wayne were primarily working together. Uh, Blake would tap back in and you would hear instant booze. I mean, instant heat right off the bat 
Uh, right from there, halfway through the match, we're looking at the fight in the crowd. The quintessential SGC split screen yes. comes up. We love the three-way. part. So, oh, man. And uh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote down here, funny thing, only a couple notes later, that Jordan and Wayne look great together. I actually wrote it a second time. So that really did impress upon me the fact that they are slowly solidifying. What's going on is they are sharpening the pencil right in front of us. And when and the time's right, it's gonna, time, yep. Yep, it's going to fucking pop. Yeah, I 1000% agree too right there. Um, I loved how you see all the different, like Mance Warner wants a piece on Blake. Justice wanted a piece. They all wanted pieces of Blake just to kind of get the pop with the crowd and stuff. And I love seeing yeah. that. And just kind of quickly going back to the whole, the Blake booing, like he's going to be going to these other companies and he, he's got to kind of get rid of this now before it carries over into the new companies where they might have different plans. And Hey, we're wrestling fans. Like I, I've kind of gotten a little bit better because I've seen all the, now since I got into a whole, the independent wrestling scene, like, Hey, Blake might be here, GCW one way, and New Japan, he's going to be presented something else, and he's going to work differently. And same when he goes to AEW Dark or wherever he goes. Like, I have, like, learned of, hey, when Billy Starks is wrestling in Wrestling Revolver and she's Bully Starks or JCW, like, and not she's not Billy Starks, she's Bully Starks. Like, I've kind of, like, now learned to kind of adjust how I cheer or boo yes. based yes. off of kind of, even though I really like him, just to kind of that way doesn't cause like crazy confusion like th this could possibly have. Like, I don't want to be the one that starts yeah. that fire of, hey, like we're all supposed to be cheering for Nick Wayne, but because I don't like him, I'm going to boo. And then it kind of sticks with him. Like, I just think they need a Blake needs to dip this in the bud now so it doesn't affect his status and other companies. And I think he's talented enough where he'll win it back. And like you said, he just might have to go the full heel route where Everyone starts booing him, but then he becomes so likable as a heel, they start cheering him again. Like, there's that's a good possibility of a way to get out of that as well. But who knows how much time he's going to be spending with GCW? As for what he said, he like he's not going to be here as much as often, but he's still going to be around. So I kind of just interested. I'm always now like Blake's kind of like, oh, he Blake's on. Let's see what happens. And is this the night he turns? Is this the night the crowd turns back on him and starts cheering for him again? I think he's become kind of like a can't miss GCW attraction now, just based off this weekend. No, 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 that makes sense. Um, in my perspective, I've always tried to give the perspective of the performer. So I always think of it as if my favorite performer comes out and they want cheers, I'm going to give them cheers. And if they come out and they want booed, I'm going to give them booed. Yeah. And so uh, the other, the other weird part I have with that is even if their heels in the end, when they're walking off and the and the you know the their match is over, I'll still at least stand up and and give them uh, an applause. Yeah. So you know, like I said, I still give them that performance kind of, you know. But even even after the match, you know, they were really trying to make sure that. Oh, I'm sorry, we won't go to the end. Do you want the winner there? <laughs> Oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to just cover two real fast. I know you did the great teamwork. That, yeah, Jordan and Nick, they even at one point during this match, I was like, oh my God, are they going to do this without Blake? Like, are they going to yeah. get the upset over SGC? And maybe that will launch them into a higher spot, especially now with all the tag team or turmoil going on in GCW. Like, maybe they would find a way to maybe insert themselves into this, uh, Art of Art of War match or Art of War Games match, whatever they're calling it, um, and try to maybe insert their way into the GCW title picture. And I thought, I, what better way to do it than get the upset victory over SGC? But 
I kind of was, I was expecting SGC to win, obviously, even no matter what the Blake situation was, because I know they got bigger plans going for SGC right now. And like I said, I love seeing like Jordan and Nick every time. It's like they get more fluid and fluid. It's just going to be awesome when we finally get that big, big upset that propels them to a title shot or to the next level that I think they're right on the cusp of. But you said there's no need to rush now, especially with all these tag, all these tag teams going on and what's going on in the tag division. Like it might be uh-huh. best for them right now to stay on the outside, still stay relevant and keep on, as you said, improving and getting bigger or getting better in the ring and more fluid chemistry where I think when that time comes for that big pop and that big upset, I think it's going to be incredible because those two are just, doesn't matter what kind of crowd, if it's a deathmatch crowd or extreme crowd or a regular wrestling crowd, like they, they got the crowd whenever they're tag team and they got the crowd on their feature and form, whether they're the heels or the faces. So I, I like seeing them get obviously better and improve, but yeah, we will go into the ending of this match as SGC does pick up the victory as all three members stacked onto Nick Wayne. Um, I believe it was after they put him through a table, I think, or maybe not. Maybe it was just they all took turns uh, hitting their finishers. I can't remember the exact ending, but uh, yeah, they all pinned Nick Wayne for the victory. And then they obviously, uh, Nick Wayne and Jordan were still in the ring. Blake was already on the outside. And that's where you could kind of see that faraway look in his eyes. Like, hey, this I, this is where I thought, like, hey, this might be the last time we see him for a while. I didn't think he would be showing up at the next couple shows, but I thought this was maybe his swan song for a little couple months or something where, Hey, yeah. I, I going out and I don't not leave in the way I wanted to leave with you guys. But, um, I just, I, I thought this was it, but obviously Blake is still around, but, uh, SGC is in the ring with a couple beers. They give Nick Wayne a water. Got to watch that, uh, watch that age limit out there. And they all kind of toast beers and stuff like that. And then, um, they leave the ring to Jordan and Nick, and then Blake rolls in the ring, and he gets all mad at Nick Wayne for taking the loss, taking the defeat for his team, and he kind of shoves Nick Wayne, and then, of course, big brother Jordo steps in. He's like, no, you ain't you ain't going to push my little brother here. You got a problem? Go through me first before you go after Nick Wayne. But you see, like, Blake, like, he's the one who took the loss. I got the problem with him. I don't have a problem with you right now, Jordan. Unless you want a problem, then, like, Jordan picks up the steel chair. And, like, I kind of was like, whoa, like, this is getting a little crazy because, like, I know Nick kind of separated him. But, like, Jordan even kind of hits Nick in the back of the head with the chair. I'm like, whoa, Jordan, (laughs) calm down. Like, I know you're upset, but don't take it out on Nick. Take it out on uh, Blake Christian. That was a little, uh, as you, as you, uh. Having you know it's a little odd ending, but what were your thoughts on that the final sequence right there? It was odd. It's fucking odd, <laughs> man. Right? I mean, yeah, I, uh, I I saw the contemplation that was going on through Blake, you know, from Blake, and um, I saw the separation that was going on in the ring from Blake. I I don't know how that story's ending. I I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, this is the right way to go, but but I don't again I don't know the ending, so I can't really judge judge the whole book by the middle chapter. But it's obvious that um, well, see that's even the thing too. There, I don't know if Blake was sulking or if maybe he was in contemplation of leaving or he. So so I'm, maybe I need to hear a little more from him. Maybe even a back promo. I don't know. Maybe a little more Twitter activity in regards to that. Uh, but I am, I am interested in what's going to happen with him. Um, I mean, just as a fan who's watched for so many years, I'm always really interested in situations like this because I want to know how the performer is going to dig out of this. Usually they do. I just want to know how it's really the long game with fans. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I'm very interested to see how, like, I think he will come out of this. It just might take a couple, like, this might be a little, like, off-road. Like, oh, we got to take a little detour here to where we were yeah. going to go with you. But I think this is a more of a major detour than what they originally thought because it was unexpected. So I, I think he's talented enough where he's going to definitely get his way out of it and keep on improving as he's been doing uh, these last couple months anyway since he's been back in GCW. But SGC does pick up the win. They keep the momentum going and we will be talking more about sgc later once we talk more about the art of war or art of war games i forgot what they call it but as uh they got a lot of tag teams uh vying for the gcw tag for match number five of the evening we have speedball mike bailey going against star boy charlie and these are this was another one where i was like i i'm in i want to see this match i am super <laughs> excited i'm a huge speedball fan and star boy has been killing it too I was all in on this match. I was kind of hoping they'd get the 20 minutes of, hey, let's just tear the house down and give the fans what they want. Because after, like, the this match was good. The, the tag, six-way tag match was good. But after that kind of, like, lukewarm reception that uh, Kevin Blackwood and Ninja got, I thought this would be a perfect match to kind of get the crowd back into it. What was your opinions on it? I think it was a really good match, and I think it did get the crowd into it uh, a little more. Um then let's just say the ending of the last one there. Um, Bailey came out to an absolute great reaction, like he always does. I could tell from the beginning that Mike was going to be heel. Yeah. There was a ton of Starboy chance. Starboy was booked really strong from the get go, and he carried that through all the way, all the way the whole time. Um, Bailey did a tombstone on Starboy through the door, which I thought was a fantastic spot. I could definitely see that decisions were made to push Starboy, and I can obviously see that at least the last three to four shows, they've really been doing such. This was a situation here where I think, I think without the storyline, Bailey and Starboy generally maybe would not cross paths. And I only say that because I think they're both in different positions in their career right now. I think that uh, Starboy did absolutely wonderful. But I think Starboy, five years aged more, would probably do a hell of a lot better job up against Bailey. I think Bailey is a very busy man as a wrestler. So I think for anybody who's been doing it for only so many years, he's going to be a lot to handle. Even as just a dancing partner, he's going to be a lot to handle. Yeah, and I think he's since he's been back, they put him in crazy matches in GCW so far. So he's been a part of um, a extreme title scramble match at the U uh, Ukrainian Cultural Center. He's also, I've seen right here, the Blake Christian that we just talked about a couple weeks ago, then Joey Janela the next night. And then this weekend, he got Nick Wayne and Mike Bailey. I think it was just like a, he's been having a lot of showcase matches against really great talent where it's like, hey, Starboy, here's your time to show us. Like, I'll. Joey Janelle and Blake said that, that the weekend prior or two weekends prior, whatever it was like, Hey, you're not a star boy no more. Like you're being put in these matches and you were stepping up, like Tane, like step it up here. You were star man. Don't keep calling yourself a boy. Don't keep doing that. That's going to hold you back. Right. We are here to put you, make you look good. And you're making yourself look good where they need to, I think this hopefully becomes a situation where like he starts maybe changing it up as well for the better uh, to get the better crowd reaction and get rid of that kind of that star boy part and become that star man because these matches that he's been having, those four alone, Joey, Blake, Nick, and then now Speedball, like if you, you're going to have awesome matches against those four, it doesn't matter. 
and I Starboy is definitely step up. I would just like to kind of see him kind of ditch the Starboy aspect, especially since all the wrestlers are calling for it. But I'd love seeing Starboy Charlie as it is right now. But I just like want to see a little different as like, where are you going to grow as a performer? What is your next next step as a uh, wrestler that's going to elevate your game to the next level? I think I think Starman would be it. Yep. If you're not, it would be so enjoyable. I think if done right, I mean, no kidding. Even if they put him in a not a not a superhero style gimmick, but a but a gimmick to where he has just a little more powers than the yeah. average wrestler, I think <laughs> would make him really enjoyable, especially for his size. He could really take on that role. I also think with his size, that would go well with kids. I have a friend who volunteers time as Spider-Man at um, various hospitals and places for children. And he is actually, you get a chance. um, You will have a chance to meet him sometime at one of the shows, but uh, he goes around and he does this and he's roughly five, three, five, two, and uh, about one twenty-five, maybe one thirty, And he really connects well with the kids because he is that size and he's so approachable. He's not this huge monstrous, monstrous guy. Um, so he does that. And I just, I want to mention too, because this kind of goes with it, that Bailey does make a really good heel when he wants to. I wrote down here that Bailey has really good heel faces. When he wants to, he can kind of make his face, you know, kind of scrunch up a little bit when he's doing his kicks. And he has that mean look on him that, you know, he, he, he's got it in him. He's a freaking nice guy, but he's got it in him. So I can see where if they wanted to turn Bailey for some reason, a long-term heel turn for him, long-term being months, I think, could obviously be something he could do. And it's not often that you have somebody that could work both ends of the spectrum so well. And I think he's one of them. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because this match really did show some of the stuff that Bailey could pull out of his uh, bag of tricks to being a good heel. Yeah, like he even got, you see him get desperate here and look kind of confused and he ends up introducing the door, which is definitely not speedball style that we've been seeing. He doesn't, yeah. he's not afraid to get creative and uh, a little hardcore with his matches, but like we just haven't seen much of it. And I been liking seeing the different style of speedball because I think he's just got I, what I think he's doing. And maybe this is just based off of who he's going against, but it's nice seeing him because we've always, I've always cheered for him. Like he's just has that moveset, the look, the style for me was like, it's always going to be hard to boo him because he's so fucking good as well with on top of everything, making it all look easy and smooth. And like, I'm a huge fan of his, where I think it's going to be hard for me to boo him just based off of, off of everything. But as you said, I think he's using this time to, uh, or as you, I was saying, like he's using this time to maybe improve as a heel because maybe in one of these other companies, he might be used as a heel coming up here. So he's just kind of like experimenting and seeing it. But it's, I find it so super tough to root against Speedball. Like even when he's doing the mean looks and stuff, even when he's going against a Starboy or a Nick Wayne who are like always faces and never heel, like I always find it tough to kind of root against Speedball because. I just love seeing him in the ring. And like, I've, he's been on a roll this year. Like I think he was one of the top two or three wrestlers that I've seen this year, just in general, not just in GCW, but in yes. the whole wrestling world, I think he's top three with the matches that he's been doing. It's been phenomenal. But um, this match was a little shorter than I was kind of hoping for. Like I said, I would like the whole 20 minutes of tearing down the house and stuff, but 
they got a good almost 13 minutes and they I think they told a good story here. They got to show different elements and still get their own shit in too. But I just Starboy's one of these victories. I like, you know he's lost the last four. He's lost like I'm pretty sure he's lost the last four matches in GCW, but he doesn't come out the loser at the end. He's always comes out the winner. So like Starboy is gonna get his chance to shine here too. And uh I think he that was a good good little stretch of uh matches. This last month since he's been back of kind of, hey, we were pushing you beforehand. Let's put you now since you're back in with some bigger names. How you do like you're not going to go over yet. But if you keep on improving like how you are, when it time comes for you to get that surprise victory, maybe over another Joey Janela or another name. This is big where I think that that like how we talk about Jordan Nick, that's going to be the big pop and elevate him. And I think that could possibly could be coming up here in October. I know September when. Mm -hmm. Joey Janela and Starboy team up and go against the South Pacific Savages. I would like to see during maybe that match, like Joey kind of get hurt and go like take some time out from the match for a while. And then like Starboy just goes berserk on those two big monsters and picks up the victory. <laughs> That's just a little uh, hopeful booking there for me. But uh, I don't even think we did say it, but Speedball did get the victory. He did hit the Flamingo driver <laughs> on Starboy. And yeah, we get always too busy. To, we always forget about the winners and stuff. But That's okay. That's okay. We're all winners. Right? Yes. <laughs> Anytime I get to see Speedball and Starboy, I consider myself a winner. I had to be as corny as I could. We're, we're all winners, bro. <laughs> For the sixth match of the evening, we have a tag team match as Team Bussy, Ali Catch, and Effie. Going against Charlie Ever uh, Charlie Evans and Everett, let me know Connors. And I was just excited for this match too to see. I'm a huge Everett fan. I glad to see him back, even though he is a little bit more toned down than he was when he left with the uh, the over the top kind of outfits and the demeanor yeah. and stuff. He's more reserved now since he's been back, and I like to see kind of where that goes maybe. But um, I was looking forward to this match. Great, uh, great chemistry or not chemistry but stylistic i always talk about the styles that's what i think about when i see the first matches like when they're announced like, oh is that going to be a good style will they mesh together oh no they're going to be different styles but i think those two could really make it look good and we've seen a lot of surprising great matches with a mix of styles where we didn't think would they would connect with each other but they have and I, that's why i was looking forward to see this one because i know ali catch and effie have elevated their game since uh, being GCW tag titles, and even while in losing them, they are still staying on top of the game to try to hopefully get them back. Uh, what was your opinion on this match, Sean? Well, uh, here we go in another situation where I can't find a match that Bussy has had that was bad. That we just in another quality match, like you said, uh, both teams were very, uh, very equal when it comes to style. Very equal when it comes to just. There was no powerhouse. All of them were kind of on an equal level there. I really did like that Charlie came out in Jersey. I thought that was really cool. I believe that was the second time she'd come out in Cologne's Jersey. Um, Bussy had that great energy. I really think a lot of it comes from Allie because she's just so very energetic when she comes out. And Effie, he just has to walk into the room and that energy is going to be there for him. Yes. Uh, I did like the fact that KG said that Everett has so much drip, it's now a leak. <laughs> in, in like, you know, perfect KG style. I did want to also mention there was an angle where Allie was wanting to kiss Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Then Everett got mad. Then Allie kissed Charlie's hand. Then Everett got mad again. Then Allie goes to just kiss Charlie. 
Then Everett gets mad. Then Allie accidentally kisses Everett. And then Charlie gets mad. I just wanted to say it like that because that's exactly what happened. And to go through it any score would be too much. So uh, that was a great little spot, a great little angle. You know how somebody's making out with some in a lot of matches or whatnot. And they really poured it on in this one. And they made it so funny. And they were just having fun. And it showed. Yeah, that was probably my highlight of the match, too, seeing how... Like, yeah. it's like, hey, that's my girl. You ain't kissing her. Like, oh, and then it, same thing. Like, oh, you're not kissing my man. That's my man, <laughs> Ali. Like, you're not touching him. I like, I like, see, like, it was like high school drama ish, but play out in a yeah. sports entertainment slash wrestling uh, ring. I love seeing how those four played it off because it was pretty funny. We've seen them kind of, Ali Catch and Effie kind of really use that spot in a lot of different creative ways in the last yes. few tag teams they've had, which I love, like the whole Dark Sheik stuff and all that. Like, it's been funny how they've been evolving that kind of spot into different comedic ways, in my opinion. And I just really, I was making a note here. I, like, I forgot to say this. And I don't think I said this after uh, the night before, because this was obvious. Yeah, so this was Effie's first match after losing to John Moxley. And yeah, you couldn't tell. Like, Effie was, like... I like that where he did it like sulk on it. Like, oh, I lost my chance. What am I going to do? I lost the tag belts. I've lost two matches in a row. Like, what are, where do I go from here? I loved how he's like, nope, I'm Effie. F- everything is fine. As that they always say with Effie, <laughs> Effie is fine. And he would, I just love how he didn't let that, even in character wise, defeat him. Like, he just like, nope, here's a new day, a new Effie, a new opportunity to go out there and show the crowd some fun stuff. And he just, enjoyed it and he didn't like sulk i just love seeing that from him yeah they were really moving on yeah when it comes to that whole thing the minute gage took over effie obviously the way that was all written out was effie's everybody is stepping aside the minute gage once the king comes out and he says all right i'm ready to fight everybody steps aside so i think that's what really happened there there was no off to really to really you know to, to really do it was just more or less like well it's time to move on that set in stone we you know we can now move forward so um another spot where we had everett going to kiss effie but effie pushed him away <laughs> and then you know and then charlie kisses Allie, and that ended up getting of course a gcw chant because that's uh that's the thing man so there was a point where charlie um i don't really have a lot of a description of it i just wanted to say that quarters of the way through the match they did give her a good 30 45 maybe even a one full minute after 11 where she just shined it was a nice uh again it was almost like a welcome back it was uh it was one of these hey you know what kind of thing so she really shined there for a while i believe uh heffy heffy hitting everett with rope uh, sack rider I thought was really cool. And uh, I'll pass it over to you from there because I don't mention before I mention anybody else. So, yes, uh, we have our rat bastard come in and Charles Mason interrupts a fun and entertaining match and, of course, goes right after Charlie. We, I, I think this should have been settled when it was when they came back before they left. They had a kind of a big blow off between Everett, Charlie and Charles Mason as well. Um, I was just kind of hoping that would be the end of it, but as we saw mm-hmm. at the end of Homecoming Night One, we saw like we I kind of made a brief mention of to the JCW show that happened afterwards, where Mason and Charlie had a it was weird and not a weird match. It was I was turned off on because Charles Charles Mason was attacking Charlie and Charlie she's 
one of the toughest females I've seen, like especially in GCW. Like Alley Catch is up there, Rena's up there, Harley's right there with them because like there were some stiff shots at the JCW show. Charles Mason was laying on here where I even I kind of had to yeah. turn away. I'm like, but that plays into the whole sadistic son of a bitch that Charles Mason is. So it kind of plays out perfectly, but it does become uncomfortable. And like that's what Charles Mason, we've been asking for someone to make us. Who's going to make us uncomfortable? Who's going to make us hate them? Who's going to spoil the moment that we all want to cheer and root for? And Charles Mason continues to be, seems like they're building him up to be that next one. Um, but he's kind of building up. He's not going right to the top of the food chain in GCW. He's going to keep on working his way up there till he gets to that evil, more sadistic side where he could go up against the, well, in this one, he does go against Effie and challenges Effie. So he's already kind of made that jump from here, but I think he's, He's going to keep on improving as the dastardly heel that everybody boos. And I think like it'll be interesting to see him go against a Nick Wayne, go against a Jordan, go against um, SGC and stuff like that. That's going to be very interesting to, uh, oh, well, I said that she see, I forgot the night before, but he kind of did go against Mance Warner. It kind of seems like that's what yeah, they're leading yeah. up to as well. But um, yeah, Charles Mason comes in, ruins it. But I loved where all four competitors, Bussy and Charlie and Everett, end up forming a little action here they go after charles mason and they just <laughs> shit out of him which is obviously a feel-good moment yes the crowd loved it and like hey let's let's keep this going and then there was even a spot where they all pinned him which i thought was hilarious like it's not even yes. in the match but all four people pinned him and the ref even got down and counted three which i thought was hey if we're gonna have a no contest but we're still gonna kind of make it entertaining where charles mason is the big asshole he gets over big time here but it doesn't take a, anything away from the other four competitors where they kind of always come out um, and they they come out and they kind of get the crowd back on their side and get the victory. This is a pretty fun moment to see at the end. I was wondering if I could ask you, if you're thinking if this little thing between Charlie and Mason is going to be a JCW thing or a GCW thing, because I saw it kind of bleed. And, you know, GCW, JCW kind of bleeds. That's why I'm kind of asking you in this blurred line situation, which which way you think this is going to fall? I think it's going to keep on bleeding. On like, I wish it would be done with. Like I said, unfortunately, but since they seem to keep it going, I think maybe the reason they are keeping it going was maybe that was a way to kind of insert Mason into being more of a GCW competitor now, and not as much as J. Like he still does both. They still like we said they bleed together, but I think this might have been the way to kind of quote unquote promote charles to the main roster even like when he had at the jcw show after he beat uh, i forgot who won the match with him and charlie but um after like he just went to town on charlie as we saw sgc comes out for the save and he kind of confronts mance warner so i think him being involved with fp being involved with mance warner i think that's in my head kind of pushing him more towards the quote-unquote GCW main roster, whatever you want to call it. But I still think he's still going to do plenty in JCW because he's probably their number one heel in JCW right now. So I I could see it kind of going back and forth. On like I would like to see him just get away from Everett and Charlie, let them, like, this has been over a year-long thing, and I'd like to just see them drop it and now move on to bigger and better things for all three of those competitors. So I'm interested to see where this goes, and maybe this gives Effie now a chance of, hey, well, we know he has bigger bigger things coming up here in the, the immediate future, but I think it could possibly lead to a future angle with Charles Mason where it's going to be like Effie's job to kind of raise Charles Mason as a heel in the DCW fans' eyes, but I think that shouldn't be hard to do because he's already up there as we kind of think he is of just coming out and being an asshole and ruining 
all the shit that we've been kind of saying. We've been missing yeah. GCW. I think it's going to be an elevation for Charles Mason while it gives FB something important to not fall out of the title picture, but still be a prominent uh, picture in the upper mid upper card because of Charles Mason. Yeah, I think Mason could be the perfect heel. I'm not going to go too much over that. I just wanted to say that. And I also want to say that I know there's still a lot of growth left in him. There's a tremendous amount of upside. So what I really mean when I'm saying that I'd like to see him in GCW is what I'm saying is as a heel, he definitely has enough now to work with. He is very spoiler, almost too damn spoiler. You know what I mean? He was he was very adamant on going over there and choking the shit out of Charlie. Yeah. I mean, I look at it that way. Um, that I think, yeah, he he does an excellent job for what he does. I think if he keeps being utilized the way he is, he's got a tremendous future. Um, that's really what I have to say about that, my friend. Um, the only other thing I will ask, because I know that I've seen this a couple times before, I might myself am kind of experiencing this because I've only gotten to see very little of Charlie and Everett, so I wanted to kind of you know talk to you about because i didn't see it too too much i saw the respect that both of them were getting i saw because again i'm blind uh, i'm saying i'm saying that i saw more Charlie. uh definitely that that death match made me uh open my eyes for sure so what i was going to ask you was um because you said you said you do like them um Explain it a little bit for me so that I um, maybe there's some things I can look out for or whatnot, because I know they're they're kind of new to me, but they're not new to GCW people. Um, so I just wanted to kind of ask, because as I was starting to watch GCW, they were on their way out. Then Charlie gets injured. So I kind of lost out. So I was wondering if there was anything to share about those two, if anything at all, you know, no, so just wanted to kind of pick your brain. So the reason I like Everett, the like, the main reason that kind of like how it started for me was when I first saw him. I think it was like his first show. I think he was a last minute fill in and as a scramble member or as a third member of a team. I want to even say maybe SG was like a honorary third member because some something happened where he had stepped up and uh, yeah took some yeah. spot. But from the moment I first saw him, he kind of comes out with the the I forgot what's ever song it was. I think it's like a bad baby song. I mean. No, but like the song kind of was like, okay, that's interesting. Okay, it's Everett coming out. He just comes out all slow and calm and kind of just soaking it all in. And then he does like his mannerisms kind of remind me of an like I'm a big post Malone kind of a fan gotcha. for music. And he kind of has yeah. like a lot of similarities with the like, hey, like I'm just here. We're gonna chill. We're gonna have fun. It's all good. And his videos that he makes on Twitter, which he doesn't do too much now, but like at that time he was doing like the little quote unquote vignettes on his end where he's in his car, like, Oh, I got this match coming up against Charles Mason. And he cuts like the promo. I was like, here's my impression of Charles Mason. Ooh, look at me. I'm Charles Mason. I'm a guy that likes to walk around and do this. Like, even though it sounds stupid and childish and silly, like I loved it. And I love hearing him do this because he does it just not for wrestling, but he'll like sit there, like talk about like, I don't know if he worked at home Depot, like, Oh, look at me. I'm, the manager of Home Depot. I hate everybody and everybody hates me and I got a shitty life. And I I just love how he kind of like makes fun of other people while making fun of himself and not taking himself like way over the top seriously. So I think that's where for me is kind of more on the comedy end with all this stuff because in ring, he is okay. I think he has a lot to improve on in ring, but I've also seen him more do more stuff outside of GCW in the ring than I've seen him in a GCW ring do it. 
And so that's where I kind of like uh, Connors. Evans, um, she's bad, dude. Like she's she's yeah, taking ass yeah. kicking. She's she takes any any match that she's in. She is like taking the beating of a lifetime, and it's like she always comes back the next night, and you can tell she's smiling, bandaged up, and cut up still, but she's smiling. She gets to wrestle with her man and stuff like that. And like they had a very cool love story with like how it was all kind of going because. Everett, I think, saw Charlie Russell and like, oh, reached out to her on social media. Like, oh, I'm going to marry that woman one day. And it kind of just was started off as a joke, but ended up being where they did get together. And then now they're oh. working together. And then now like, or Everett's moving or not. I think he moved or is living with Charlie. Um, and oh, good, good. Like, yeah, I just, I like how it all goes. But like, Everett's more like the, ser- the non-serious, like, let's just have fun kind of thing. And Charlie's like the badass that could take the most damage. Like I was going to make a comment of this too, but I was going to stay away from it, but I'll just go on to it anyway. Like we're after all that beating that Charles Mason has done to your woman, like you still come out and like, you don't absolutely go after Charles Mason. Like you just kind of like bend him yeah. off. And then like, he didn't even like take care of Charlie. Like other people were checking on Charlie and Everett's still kind of like talking his shit. It's like, dude, your woman just got beat. Like, okay, the guy's gone. You either got to go kick his ass or go check on your woman and then go kick his ass. You can't sit there and play in the middle. We're like, Oh, I'm going to sit here and talk shit and let someone else take care of my woman. So I was kind of wishing this would like get a new side of Everett that we haven't seen where he does act more serious and Hey, like, I'm tired of you guys all beating on my woman here. Like, I'm going to step up and ch- go for me, where it's kind of like he's... Like, Charlie's kind of, like, the more protective one of Everett. As we talk about, like, Jordan and Nick Wayne, it seems like Charlie's protecting Everett from <laughs> getting the ass kicking and stuff like that. So I would just want to see a little... I want this, them to have to... I want to see them get away from Charles Mason. I want to see Charles Mason do some other violent, dastardly shit against um, other GCW wrestlers. And I want to see Everett kind of do his own thing and kind of elevate his game and step up and um, make a more of a name for himself, not being always attached to Charlie. And same thing with Charlie. She's been, I think she's been the star of the duo, unfortunately, because she's been in the ring, proving it whenever she is in this ring, like she's a bad woman and like she could take the damage and she's not one that to play around with. So that's a long winded answer, but like, that's kind of why I like in the whole, like how it all blends together. That's what made me, originally a fan and still kind of a fan now i just would like to see some changes because it's been a year of the same story for our seventh matchup of gcw's homecoming night two we have another title match gcw ultra violent champion rena yamashita defends against soy your wreck and this I was looking forward to it to see kind of Sawyer step up her uh, game here. Um, I always love seeing Rena because she is just crazy. She's one. Of, I, I love seeing her wrestle. Like she, <laughs> I don't differentiate between men and women and stuff, but like she just kind of flows right into any match, whether it be against a man or a woman. So I was interested to see how Sawyer Wreck would be able to step up her game during this match because this is kind of a big opportunity for her, and she has been having a lot of big opportunities in uh, the showboat lately. So. I was actually pretty surprised at how well Sawyer Rec did step up and answer the challenge. What would, or John, do you want to go through the rundown of our death match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to say first that this was Rena's first defense. Yep. So this was really a big deal. I put in my notes here, it was really interesting that Sawyer has a shot already. So I, I don't know how much I'm going to mention it now, but I do want to touch on it at some point, maybe later in the show or a show or two down the road. But I'm noticing some of our newer champions are defending their titles against 
uh, newcomers into the company. So a lot of the title defenses have been coming uh, from outsiders instead of inside of GCW. So I do find that interesting. I think that does help both competitors, but like I said, I'm, I'm already getting too much into it. Uh, there was a handshake before the bell. So at least we knew that both women were on the same, uh, you know, they were on the same side here. There was a funny little chest bump in the beginning. And then we hear two tall, two tall chants coming from the crowd. Sawyer in this case was playing Haas. So this was really a match for her to show herself, but both women had a lot to prove just to themselves. Yes, but really to the fans, both of them are fan favorites. So there was no way in hell this was going to go bad unless one of them did something purposely wrong. So here we go. Uh, minute one, light tubes come out. Minute two, light tubes to Sawyer's chest. Rena's eating light tubes. <laughs> so <laughs> Rena, uh, minute three, Rena cutting Sawyer's forehead on each side of the ring. So she's going to each side. You know, people are chanting. They're doing that regular thing. And she's on the second Over row just here. getting cut. Yeah, Sawyer's on her knees, and she's almost as tall as Rena. There's a point in the match right around between minute three and four. If you go and look, you can see that her the top of her head is damn near the bottom of Rena's neck. So, you know, that was a good one. Um, minute number four, light tube down Sawyer's shirt and then kicked in the back. Minute number five, here come the gusset plates. Those were stuck onto Sawyer's arm. Then we have Rena putting one into her own head. <laughs> then they start headbutting each other. At this point, then, the, ch the chants are coming from the crowd. The crowd's loving this. They're totally invested in this, 100%. Minute seven, we're going to the outside. Rena sat on a chair, and then Sawyer flips onto her. And then as far as my little bit of research goes, we actually have a GCW first. What is that? That. This was the first time the GCW Ultra Violent Championship has been a match between two female competitors, which was yes. kind of surprising because when I looked that up, I didn't originally think that uh, the Ultra Violent title, I thought that's been around a little bit longer. But uh, before we shot this one, before we shot this podcast, I looked it up and it's only been around since April of 21, which I found surprisingly. So I have to kind of go back and check out when they introduced it because I don't remember them. I don't remember how that belt was introduced. I remember how they reintroduced the extreme belt because PCO had it and was gone for forever. So that belt was kind of gone because like Brett kind of doesn't like taking the titles away from competitors. They, he like, Nope, we'll wait till you come back. And we've seen it with Moxley when he had his whole situation going and kind of held the BCW world title up for a little bit. But I, but going back and looking at it, according to cage match, this, uh, is the first time that the GCW Ultraviolet title was defended between two women. So this was a wow. kind of a memorable moment. It's kind of cool it happened in AC because obviously the crowd loves Rena and AC and Sawyer Rec. She won them over with her match against uh, Joey Janela there too. So I think there was no uh, better place to kind of make history in GCW <laughs> other than this show. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, you make a good point. This was really going to be the show to do it. Congratulations to both women, too. Yes. That's absolutely fantastic. If there was going to be two women to really uh, to put this down, I would say that two women that are going to be carrying us into the future would be would be a great way to go on this one. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Minute number eight. Fan suplexes Rena onto Sawyer. There's the holy shit chance. Uh, minute number nine. Was Sawyer slapped with a shoe? Was the note that I put in there. I tried to go back and look. I'm fairly sure she did. I'm sure someone would love to clear that up for me. Uh, minute ten. Barbed wire two by four contraption with a barbed wire chair underneath. Sawyer executes a Death Valley driver with uh, Yamishta 
Yamashita, I apologize, through this contraption and onto the floor. So as they tumble, Rena gets tangled up badly in the mess, and they spend uh, quite a while actually cutting her out of this contraption that was made. And um, you could see on the impact... You could see the impact on replay that it looks like she really did get kind of caught up a little bit around the head. Yeah, she went that totally was scary. Yeah, she went totally through it, like almost head first, as you said. Like it didn't like as we seen this contraption kind of set up before, but it had a lot more barbed wire where that way you can't go through it. Where this one, there seemed to be little or quite a bit less, to be honest. And I think that's why she went through because it wasn't as fully structured, full of barbed wire as it as we've seen in the past. And I think that's why she fell through, but that impact, especially coming from Sawyer wreck at that height, it's with because of her height. What does KG say? She's a shoot like six, 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 two, something like that. Uh, like, shoot, I think they announced her as a shoot six, two, six, two. So that coming yeah. from that height, from the side of the ring and going right through that contraption, that was a, it was a pretty crazy scene. And like, that was a, the spot of the match for me was that seeing that. And you see like, cause uh, Yamashita has all the, the dread, not dreads, but like the braided hair and stuff. And like, you can just absolutely see it all get caught and her head kind of gets caught in between some barbed wire where it kind of looks like it's around her throat as well. As you said, it was kind of like scary scene at first for a little bit. Yeah. And, and the fans at this point, this was really the fans time within the, that two minute span. We're getting Rena Sawyer chance back and forth. We had, this is awesome chance. Then of course, like I said, we had that minute or so where they had cut her out. Once they cut her out, the fans are cheering. I have minute 12. They finally both get back into the ring about after that debacle. And here we go with the GCW chance again. So, I mean, I can't really talk, just just explain how how impressive this was to watch and how much the fans were into it and how special it felt watching this. But you're just going to have to go back and watch it to see exactly what had happened there. So if anybody hasn't had a chance to, please go do that. Minute 13, we had Sawyer for the next two minutes just smashing tubes on Rena all over. Eventually, though, Rena does turn it around in minute 15. She hits a splash on a barbed wire chair onto Sawyer. And then here we go where Rena is getting cut again. It's just, oh. And uh, so anyway, I will wrap this up, though, because this was just a touch over 15 minutes here. Uh, the winner was uh, Rena, uh, Rena Yamashita here um, against Sawyer. She hit a splash mountain bomb onto a barbed wire chair with light tubes on top. And I won't go too far into it, but I will say I thought it was really cool to see a razor's edge. Yes, that was primarily what that was. So then the question I'm going to tell you after this fantastic little match, this question I'm going to ask you, man, this has been a long day, my friend. (laughs) I want to ask you at this point in time, looking at, let's just say, the last 12 months and who's come through GCW, who can really beat the women that have come through our company? We have some of the toughest women imaginable coming through our company. You have to have guts coming through our company. And my last little thing I'll say, because I do want to toss it over to you. I'm so sorry. But um, at some point, this happens quite a bit with MMA with me. But these women fight so damn good that for some reason, the fact that they're both women just kind of passes away. And I I don't have a better way to say that. And I think that's a GCW factor right there is... Yeah, because like, you've always see kind of a man against a woman sometimes, and sometimes it is a woman against woman. But I think because we've seen it so much in GCW, where like I I don't even notice either. Like oh, it's a female. Like you know, in other companies, like oh, it's a female match. We're going to take the 
the bathroom break like that's not existent in gcw like when you as yeah. you said our women are the toughest ones and i think the answer to that question of what kind of sets the why we have the best women is i think it's because they are the toughest like they have to go through hell to prove themselves to prove to gcw not only just the the management or the bookers or whatever they got to prove it to the fans where like i think alley catch kind of set a precedent that's being kind of upheld now in the future women coming in as you said where you won't necessarily be against another woman all the time you might have to go against yep. a joey janela you might have to go against a cole Radic. like we see masha fighting anyone and everyone we see alley cats yep. fighting anyone and everyone rena fighting anyone and everyone oh here yes. anyone and everyone like you can just go down the line of like you said all these like last year all the women they've had like they just go through not just women, but men. And like, there's some of these ones, like, as we kind of, I talked about earlier was the Charles Mason and Charlie, like they do not let up just because you're a woman. Like they treat you just like you're any other competitor in the ring, which is, I love, I like it. And that kind of separates me from, like I said, I don't even notice sometimes I don't say, Oh, it's a women's match against women's. It's going to be different. Like, no, it is like, like this one, this could have been, this was an awesome match, and I I didn't even think about it. It could have been just like Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch. Like these two killed it in the death match, and I think they've been they could kill it in regular, and they could kill it against women. Man, it does not matter. Like they've been stepping up the game, and as you said, like who could beat our women? Like toughness wise, not even close. Well, yes, yep. we might have more technical, more flashy, more characters, and other stuff everywhere else. Like I don't care about that. I care about what you do in <laughs> well, the ring. And if we also can... have more bland. We also have boring. We also have just on both spectrums, man. We have, we just, yeah, it's not just great. We have a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of people in some of these companies on TV right now. They would get sunk by our oh, fans. God, yeah. They couldn't last two minutes. Like with our fans, like if you can't prove yourself in the ring, it doesn't matter how you look or what your name is or how you've been presented anywhere else. Like I kind of, we saw that with Ruby uh, Soho up and I saw it at, at Hammerstein. Like I think everyone else that watched the show too is like, everybody was behind Alley Catch. Like that was ours. Like we're rooting for Alley Catch. Like Ruby was an intruder on, on our premises and yep, she got yep. treated like one where she could kind of see her like, Oh, like I'm not the crowd favorite that I thought maybe I was going to be. I'm, I'm the bigger star. I'm the bigger name. Where the GCW crowd's like, we don't care who you are. If you can't prove it in the ring, we're going to let you know how we feel about you. And I think that's what's awesome about GCW fans, but also that's what kind of causes situations like the Blake Christian situation or yeah, some other yeah. stuff that could possibly, like you said, the fans kind of overstep their fandom, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, it really does make sense. I thought something that would be kind of interesting would be uh, to do the women's division. It would really be cool to have a tagline like anyone, anywhere, anytime fucking literally like our division literally we'll take anyone it's not just all oh, we'll take your best female no throw anyone anywhere anytime at our division it's just, just we're just women that doesn't mean a shit over here we're not gonna fight just women yeah like even we talk about maki Ito, like she came in and she proved it and earned the fans respect not just because of hey it's maki Ito, we got respect like she we wanted her to see her i wanted to see her in the ring just because she's good at wrestling not just because oh it's maki Ito, she's funny like no like she could go in the ring like that's how i always look at wrestling like i don't care how big your bad you were we were kind of talking off camera a little bit about yeah, some yeah. wwe stuff like how they bring in the big muscle meatheads that don't even love wrestling but they failed at football or can't go in football no more so now they're yeah. doing other sports and 
they're getting pushed as some big deal because they're big, bad, and muscular, but they don't even go in the ring. Like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't care how tall you are, how big you are, what you look like, what sex or gender you are. I care about if you could go in the ring. And that's where I go to wrestling shows to see in-ring action, not just to say, oh, look at that big, tough guy. Like, if you can't go in the ring, yep. you can't. I don't, I'm not going to be a fan of you. So I think that's where I, I kind of draw the line with our women is like, not only are they tough and crazy and do everything, they go like they don't care. They've proven it. Like even my first GCW show, I think we talked about this on one of our past shows real briefly where I saw Joey Janela go against Alley Catch. That was my first time seeing it. Like it was kind of like around the time too, that whole intergender wrestling was kind of like at a point where they had like the whole, all these companies had different mixed couple, not mixed couples, but like mixed, uh, mixed match gender wrestling yeah. stuff where yeah. yeah but like seeing joey against alley cash that was for me kind of like really the first time i seen in person something like that where oh like you're not taking it easy on her like alley catch took a beating from joey where i was like i was kind of like not appalled but i'm like whoa like this is getting crazy but then the more i watched because that was my first gcw show ever like seeing the more of it, it's like oh no she gets this kind of treatment everywhere but she doesn't take it. She gives it right back at him where like, yeah, she's like, yeah. you're not going to bully me in this ring. Like just because I'm a woman, I'm going to give it right back to you. And I just love seeing how up these women are and like against the men. And like, I don't like, I don't differentiate between the genders or anymore with that stuff. It's like, I don't, I see you in the ring. Doesn't matter what you look like, who you are or whatnot. If you could go, I'm going to support you. And our, like you said, our women, there's no one tougher than any women that stepped in GCW ring. And if there have been, then they, we probably didn't see them anymore after their first match because they couldn't cut it. Or the GCW crowd said, Hey, like you're not for us. You're not providing us with what we want to watch. So I think the, between this match, like I said, they, the history that they made, it was a good match. I thought this was a big, I was little concerned with Sawyer wreck. Um, I know you saw it. I saw it in your notes. I don't know if you made mention like how it's like her first, like why she get the title match all of a sudden and what, what has she done to earn it? Where I think they, I know when they first announced like all these uh, wrestlers for homecoming, it was like the Charlie, Rena and sorry, Rec were like the first one. So they made a point to make sure like, Hey, the women were going to be featuring the women here. And I don't know if they announced that Rena was going against Sawyer Rec no matter what on night two. But I think with Rena winning the ultraviolet championship on night one, they just kind of like, hey, like we already had this match in place. Let's roll with it. Let's see if uh, Sawyer Rec can step up her game. And she did. This was probably one of the best matches I've seen her have in the GCW, other than Joey's match. But you could tell Joey kind of did a lot of the work there, which is natural, which is fine because he's the more veteran, obviously. But that gave her the confidence to go out and do what she did in this night. And I loved it. And this was a fantastic death. For our eighth matchup of the evening, and this will be our last actual match of the evening, not our main event. But pretty much match-wise, it is our main event. We have a tag team death match as the Mega Bastards, Alex Colon and John Wayne Murdoch, go against Los Macisos and Ciclope and Medio Extremo. And based off of what happened the night before, uh, now it had. Now we come, It's been a couple of days here. The Los uh, Macisos lost. Yeah, Los Macisos lost the night before to the Briscoes after winning mm -hmm. against. Uh, Team Pussy. So yeah, so I thought this was going to be, and I think everybody did. That's how it was kind of booked. Was this was going to be for the GCW tag matches or tag titles? But because of what happened the night prior, this be ended up becoming a non-championship match. But I was still looking forward to it. Like I would say every show, Los Macisos. Like I'm in. It doesn't matter if it's for the belt or not. Los Macisos going against anybody. I want to watch it and seeing how they're going against Alex Clone and John Wayne Murdoch. More of a death match style. That's where I prefer to see. Uh, 
Los Macisos, and I was definitely looking forward to this match. What were your opinion on this match, Don? <laughs> so there was really a lot going on on this match. First of all, it was really funny to see Cologne come out with the John Wayne Murdoch-style flannel. Yes, that was hilarious. 100%, yeah, he 100% didn't like it, but um, that was half the fun of seeing that. Uh, the Wu-Tang shirt and the Tupac entrance never get old for me. That's my that's my time. That's my shit. Uh, the Duke chants came out really early, so I'd love to hear that. Now, it was really interesting to note because I fell in love with the earlier music, but Los Macisos came out to different music this time. And they came out holding these huge light tube pre-rolls. And from here on out, I'm going to call them pre-rolls too. I love it. I think it's funny. And it's true. It's a pre-roll to a I degree. Um, so wife said, though, that they're dressed like cows. And I still look at it now a couple times on different shows, and I still love it. So yes. I'm not going to shit on the cow stuff because they look fucking cool. Uh, the first moments of this match, before we even get to minute one, we had each man busting light tubes on each other's heads. And our first tope suicida came from Ciclope. Then, Miod, then Miero had a tope con hilo on all three men. And here we go into the crowd and it spills out. Our first split screen of the evening, we had Macisos doing double suplexes onto chairs. At some point here later on, we had the Ciclope shoving cologne face first into light tubes. Now we get to minute two. So minute two and three, there was a whole bunch going on here. Murdoch got stabbed in the forehead with glass. Then a chair got bent over his head. The next several minutes were primarily light tubes everywhere. Everyone, it didn't matter. I have a three-minute gap just for light tubes and yes. just what went on during those light tubes. No shit, guys. Minute seven. Ciclope breaking up a pin attempt with double light tube shots. And here comes out our first door of the evening. By that time, we're at minute 10. Ciclope, second rope destroyer onto Murdoch. There was a ton of team moves at this point. It was excellent wrestling. This was the wrestling portion of the match. This is really what you came to see. So it was going on in that uh, more towards the middle in the second half of this. Let's see here. We have a light tube battle at minute 10. Cologne with a tope suicida onto Ciclope that blows him into the second row. Let me tell you, this is hard to say all this. Uh, I, I love when Alex Cologne does that. Sorry to interrupt you. I know it's hard to say. No, no, I just no. love when Alex oh Cologne gosh. does that little stomp and then the dive through the window. I love how he just puts oh, two dude. moves back yeah. to back. Like that's, uh, as you said, that's what we came to see. That's what I love seeing from Alex Cologne. Oh man, and and yeah, anytime we can see Alex Cologne. So when when he can come back full 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 time, can't wait for it. Uh, minute eleven, we have the Ciclope crossbody with tubes onto the floor. Miedo four fifty splash from the top rope onto a huge bundle of tubes onto Cologne. Here comes the this is awesome chance. And it was heavy, heavy chance. They had a little bit of breather. Minute 12, Murdoch hits a Canadian destroyer onto two tables with a pane of glass on top of it, missing the first table. And then uh, that was that was a little bit of recovery there. I think that's a sides. good thing that didn't happen because if they would have went through both both tables or doors, like I think that would that could have been a lot more impact. And like when I first saw that too, I was like, oh, he missed him. I'm like, oh, it might be a good thing he missed it because he was head his head was about to go right in between both doors as well. So I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I really thought there was going to be a head injury. Yeah, I was expecting a little bleeding after that one. Um, same same minute. Ciclope uh, hitting a great second rope small package onto Cologne. It looked fantastic. 
Then here come the GCW chants again. I mean, basically, minute 12, shit broke out everywhere. That's what was going on. Uh, just just amazing. Uh, minute 13, it, I put that it was a blur of excitement, and out comes another pane of glass. Uh, Ciclope misses a moonsault and crashes through that pane of glass. You know, our winner ended up being the Mega Bastards. Cologne tapped out Ciclope with his classic move there. Um, there is no way, dude, that Deathmatch fans couldn't be unhappy here this uh, this was just i mean for the last two matches of the night these were fantastic incredible matches um anybody who says we can't have a dynamite one-two punch at the end especially as death matches in gcw in 2022 is full of shit because they really did pull it out here this this was a great final two matches before our main event yeah like I said I was looking forward to it because Los Pacisos in a deathmatch style. I love it. Sign me up for that any day because I think that's obviously their bread and butter there. While they can go in a regular match or extreme match, I was seen against Jordan, Nick Wayne, or SGC or Pussy. Like they have a lot of variety, but death matches where that's where I want to see Los Pacisos at all times, even if it's like separated, not as a tag team, just individuals ones or. As we've seen in the past, them go against each other in death matches where they do not hold back. And this was an awesome match. Like I said, I think for it being the last match of the night, it was amazing. Um, I think losing the titles kind of affected some of the maybe the card placement as it wasn't the main event, main event where that's the last thing we see where we uh, head out until the next show. I do think for it being the last match it was perfect placement because Alex Cologne, John May Murdoch, and Los Pacisos definitely earned a main event kind of spot, especially on like one of their biggest shows of the year. And as you said, with the way they've kind of laid out the match for the or laid out the card for the matches and where they're placed, like I've kind of noticed lately now where they're kind of back to backing these uh death matches at the end, which is kind of fine because yeah. it gives them time to like you said, if they do that what if they want to do an intermission, they could quickly do it. As this was another show though with no intermission, which was um Oh, no, I'm sorry. There was an intermission at this one to get ready for the Cardona one. But the last couple of shows, there really hasn't been any intermission. It just goes, goes, goes. And um, Los Macisos, Mega Bastards, they, they killed it. I love seeing Alex Cologne kind of like absolutely hating <laughs> wearing the same shit John Wayne Murdoch did while John Wayne Murdoch yeah. is like loving it. It's like, eh, look what I made Alex Cologne do. Like you guys said, I couldn't, you guys said I couldn't do it. He's such a tough guy. Look at him. Look at how he looks in this flannel. He looks amazing, doesn't he? I love he that. Kind of, yeah, I love the chemistry. Like they go from the biggest uh feud going on to like now working actually as a tag team because we saw the show in vegas where uh uh they the tag team chemistry kind of blew up in their faces uh at this point but i'm glad to see they kind of got on the same page as alex cologne <laughs> called them the mega ba- i think it was alex cologne or john wayne murdoch. one of those who started calling them the mega bastards actually what now i want to think it was john wayne murdoch because i'm not thinking back to the patreon podcast with the world of death match with alex cologne and Stephen a i think like alex cologne was like i hated that name but what am I going to do? I loved it. Yeah, I loved that. But this was a fun match. Like, as you said, there's so much going on in a typical Los Macisos, Alex Cologne, John Wayne Murdoch match. It's just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I like, as you said, too, in the middle, it turned into a wrestling match. And that's kind of what we all came for wrestling. And that's where I've said on many occasions where I love, that's where GCW, I think, separates themselves from other deathmatch companies where they have wrestlers that do death matches not just death match wrestlers that really don't know how to wrestle it's they have wrestlers that wrestle first and then do death matches or incorporate death match style into the wrestling and 
all four competitors killed it. This was a very, very fun match. And then um, at the end, we see uh, Bussy coming back out, kind of like how we saw the night before where SGC mm -hmm. came out and kind of like, hey, that's our tag belts, where Bussy's like, hey, you're all out here talking. What about us? We were the ones that just were the tag champions last week. Why are, why are we forgotten in this whole situation? And that, as we kind of talked about earlier, too, on night one, where this kind of leads up to what they have something for Art of War games, where it's going to be a um, five-way. I thought it was going to be six-way. Maybe they might add another one. Who knows? But a five-way tag team Art of War games uh, match. And i very interested to see how it's going to play out, because I don't know how you're going to introduce the wrestlers into the ring. You're going to have five, all five teams put in one competitor and then one competitor from each team comes out afterwards i think there's just so much they could do with these and i actually am kind of glad it's these five because it's art of war games in a death match and i said before like when i saw the one last year that was my first time seeing that i was like holy crap like cow like you're going to do a art of war games and add in the death match element like this is going to be yeah. insane like gcw's influencing the art of war game like i'm shot like i was excited for it and i'm kind of glad they're sticking to the deathmatch art of war games where all five of these teams have proven over however long years uh, especially this last year that they could get crazy and and i i think the art of war game is going to be kind of nuts i know we kind of talked about maybe slipping in a jordan or nick wayne tag team in there so, and th those kind of tag teams i don't think this would be the kind of match to <laughs> introduce them <laughs> in so um what is your thoughts going into this uh Art of War games. Now that we kind of talked about it, even though we kind of spoiled it last time, now that it's kind of more set in stone, we have the five teams of Bussy, Briscoes, Los Macito, most Los, uh, blah, 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 Los Macisos, uh, the Mega Bastards, and SGC, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah SGC, I'm, Bussy, I'm waiting Bussy. for more teams to drop, man. Really? You think they're still going to add Actually, some more? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm just, maybe it's me being spoiled. That five is a rough, isn't it five right now? It's five. That's a fucked up number, man. That's we what I'm saying. I don't know how they're going to do this. Like, I'm very no, no, interested no. in how they're going to play it out, but I was kind of... Charlie thinking. Connors. Charlie yeah. and Con uh, Okay, that's one possibly. Um, we do have the possibility of the South Pacific uh, Savages. We've got... Uh, well, shit, now. Who else do we have? I'll be honest. I mean, we can pick some. Let's. We had the Ugly Ducklings come in uh, further on one of these other shows here. I mean, there are teams passing through. If Fremont? we couldn't pick... Fremont and Cole? Oh, yeah. Like, even oh, makeshift. Oh, they could gosh. do some makeshift stuff where it's still... Give me, give me Tremont and Murdoch. I call it Alex. I like that one, too. Yeah, well, say just put Cologne in there and make it a three-way, you know, make it <laughs> a th you know, three-man tag. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention on this one, though, was that if this passed this tag match here between the Bastards and Los Macisos, if, if you would just go ahead and put these uh, put the helmet on there for a minute and think about this one. Um, take any two tag teams you want to out of WWE and make them have this same match right here. If that happened in WWE instant classic fans would be talking about that death match right there and we could say this about quite a few of the gcw death matches this death match here though was just a complete death match there was so much going on there were so many spots could you imagine how much the fans in wwe or even aew would have went nuts for one match like this a year i you know i know aew is definitely willing to do stuff obviously we've seen nick gage on the screen we've seen them do the barbed wire everywhere match or whatever that was called i I like how AEW is willing to try it, but they're not willing to go all the way to make it look more 
believable or present it as more believable because we've seen like Nick Gage and Chris Jericho. That was cool. That was a very good representation of what is happening in GCW. They got to do the pane of glass. They got to do light yep. tubes and they went at it. Like Nick Gage had his pizza cutter. But then like when they do like the exploding ring match with Moxley and Mega, I think it was. I forgot what the exploding death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the pyro. That was, uh, that was fun. Yeah, the pyro, or yeah. like sparklers. even like the yeah, even like the yeah, sparklers definitely, or like even hey, the no. barbed wire match. Like I, I've seen uh, no rope barbed wire with Jordan Atticus. Like, and then I see the barbed wire everywhere. Those two are not <laughs> nowhere comparable. Nowhere near it. Well, I would love to see AEW maybe like, hey, Brett, come in here. How should we do this while we keep everybody safe and we don't lose our TV time? Like, mm-hmm. I, I would just like to see Tony Khan, and, and this is dangerous with a multi-million dollar or billion dollar, whatever money they got. Uh, they're on national TV. They got a lot of sponsors, so they they do have to play it close to the vest and be safe, where GCW yep. doesn't have any of that shit. They're, like, if you work with GCW, you know what you're getting. Like we ain't, we're not putting these fake barbed wires on. We're not putting one single strand on a table and calling it a crazy, like, they, like, no, we see the, what Rena and Sawyer wreck went through. Like that's is a barbed wire table or a door or whatever. Like that's how death matches should be doing. I, I kind of, I think on these bigger companies, they kind of bastardize the death match. And I, I rather just see the death match in its truest form in GCW. That's just my opinion mm-hmm. on that question there. Well, I'm looking forward to this two rings, one cage situation we have going on. I I really want to see, first of all, I want to see if that cage is going to be around for a long time, because if they can pack that damn thing up and keep it, I'm looking forward to seeing that happen more often. Oh, I don't stop. know, though. Like, <laughs> no, if yeah, it does I anything like finish. how last year was, because there was like giant cage, but there was like weapons everywhere on that cage. Like you just walked okay, in and oh, okay. there's a weapon. Here's a weapon. Like uh, <laughs> I... I would love to see more of it, but I kind of like how they're making it. I was kind of worried about what they would do this because uh, it's around the same time as they had All Out, same time they did the the Art of War games last year, but I was just kind of worried. I'm like, hey, last year they had a storyline going into it. The Art of War games coming up, how are they going to make it interesting and are they going to keep it deathmatch or are they just going to make it a normal kind of Art of War games but GCW style? And I I love seeing the whole deathmatch stuff and I kind of like how they're the way they're going about it and everything. Um, they kind of, I think for me, they saved it for me to be more interested because they added all these deathmatch wrestlers to it where I'm super excited for it. But as you said that, like the cage and the weapons and stuff, like I think the cage, it might be easier to do. And I think that venue makes it a lot easier to run that kind of a match too, because uh, the Hoffman Estates is huge uh, for that yeah. kind of match where if they try to do that kind of match, if they try to put double ring anywhere lately from any of these venues, there's no shot that's going to happen. But um, I'm Evansville would have been the only one, and I only yeah. say that because the historian in me somewhere says I'm sure that at some point between WCW or the NWA, someone has shoved a double ring in there because they were gimmicky back in the day. That's a Rhodes thing, too. That's a you know, there's quite a few people there, but I just wanted to shove it in there for the history people, just, just kind of broaden horizons. Uh, as far as I've seen, Evansville and maybe where we had Nashville, but I will say in recent memory before that months before that i haven't seen a venue where two rings would fit so you are correct there it's really rare to find gcw in a venue where that'll fit 
Um, I think they may have fit Las Vegas if they tried. You think? Damn, it would have um, been close. The answer would have been yes, but there's one giant like bullhead or chandelier or something up there. There's like something like valuable, like like that makes it stand out. Yeah. Like like I, I I'm thinking of like horns. There's like some big horns up where they had the silver. Well, they nugget. do have the tapestries. They do have the tapestries. My other question then is, could they double in the carousel room? You think they could double there? I think that would take up a lot of fan space. I would love yeah. to see that kind of match at a uh, and the carousel but with the AC crowd. Definitely, like even when they did um, what was it the high incident match? They did that uh-huh. in not AC, definitely not. But it was like at some other. I forgot where they had that match, but like I was kind of I like to see those special matches like that, those special gimmick kind of matches. I would like to see it in like either in LA or AC because it's their home crowd and they know. Like those two are like the loudest really fans and they're gonna get the most people at those two venues or those two cities that are passionate about GCW and stuff. Like it's cool. I love it when they go to the the Harpos or the center stage, even as we're gonna talk about in a couple episodes. Like I love that. I love seeing them go to love different venues. Harpos, oh, I love like um where the disco floor. Yes. <laughs> the disco floor, dude. I'm a big 70s fan. That disco floor is awesome. Yeah, and I loved how like they were they like I'm gonna assume as SGC, like they, they were rolling out or fighting all over the place, and you just see the floor just light up wherever they're standing. Yes. So I love that. But I, I like the Providence one where we had yeah. Will Ospreay and Nick Wayne, that venue. I, I think that's is that the FET? Was that the I believe that's FET. I love that venue. That was kind of nice. They couldn't have the question. they couldn't have the art of war games there, but like I love how GCW is going to all these different venues. It makes every one seem kind of cool where I mean, Cam kind of soured as we, I talked about before on the, the Detroit, when they go into like that one, like it looks like a, not a big church at all. And there's like not that many fans able to get in. I kind of wish they would get, get away from that because it kind of looks too um, indie ish or I don't know how to say it. Like I, I do like how they go around, but there's a couple spots where I wish they would pick somewhere else that maybe have more of a, um historic historical value to it and i i, mm. I kind of like how they're doing that i know that that's what brett's kind of like this year he's like oh look i could go to hammerstein i could do harpos i could go to san francisco like i like how they do that well i'm not gonna lie i'd really like to see them go over to uh the arena over in philly over at the old ecw arena yes and put on a couple of shows and just for whatever maybe just bring out all the guys because hammerstein really had a tribute to ecw and i think that was Hammerstein. i mean i think that was gcw's real tribute show if any um but yeah, bringing them back to that old arena there, I think for one night, if they, I'm not kidding, if they could break out the old cameras, if they could have an old gritty show, I think it would be so cool to see an actual shot, damn near analog, gritty ass GCW style or ECW style GCW show. Um, have you, sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, no, no. Have no. you seen that clip going around of Taz and Chajiri? It was like in the last couple of days at when ECW, when they're kind of like showing like, hey, this one minute, look what Taz and Tajiri did of like not holding back on their clotheslines or holding back on their punches and like really slaying it in there and like the crowd just going nuts. Like, I don't know where that venue was. I want to say that's the 2300 or the ECW arena. I think that's the same place, but whatever that place is, I want to see GCW there because just seeing that, it kind of reminded me of Hammerstein, but a little bit uh different. And like, but just seeing that one, I, I got like nostalgic feeling where I thought like, hey, that's kind of how it looked when I saw in Hammerstein. And that was like 
so cool. As you said, I would like to see them kind of more go to the ECW arenas for the nostalgia effect. Because as you said, yeah. like Hammerstein was, I think I, I had the chance to kind of take ECW to the next level, possibly with new fans. It sucks it was in New York because of all the gets rid of eliminates death matches. So there goes kind of like the heart of GCW. But it was that night ended up being like that's why they had all those matches at the beginning or the two matches at the beginning with all these people, like the rumble. I thought it gave like, hey, here's our moment. Like we're gonna celebrate. We did Hammerstein. We sold out in less than two days before a single match or talent was announced. And like, yeah. that was their hey, we kind of made it moment. And I, I thought they kind of did rest on their loyals for a couple shows after that, where it's kind of like, hey, like I thought maybe that was a jump start to a bigger and better and a new GCW. Well, as you said, that night turned into like a tribute show. They brought in Sabu and they brought in like all these other wrestlers that have wrestled for GCW before. Like I thought it was cool. Big Vin winning the, the battle Royal at the beginning, like, Hey, that reward, the guy who's there set all these contraptions up every single GCW show. And he could go in the ring where we could still make it look believable where he would really win it. And he killed it there. I thought that was a cool little like, Hey, here's a little reward for everything you've done for us. Or like they brought in a Sabu, they brought in these big names to kind of help build the, the, the name of GCW up where they, Oh, I'm a Ruby Soho fan. Who's she wrestling? Oh, they're wrestling there. What's all this talk about it being the biggest independent show. Let me go check it out. I kind of like how they did that. I didn't like how they all went over, <laughs> over our, our people, as we call them, the GCW regulars. But I think Brett made up for it with Effie, with Bussy winning the tag belts. And they, like he's found a way to get around it. But at those venues, I love seeing. And I want to see more of those kind of old school CW films. Because, like I said, I'm just watching that clip. I got like so excited, like hearing the crowd, even just for that one minute, how much mm-hmm. the crowd was in. I thought right away of my time at Hammerstein was like, this is cool. This is what I love about independent and GCW wrestling was that itself. So I like the different venues, as you said, but to hold the art of war games, it's that's tough. But I mean, I think Hoffman States is good. I would like to see it in maybe in a little bigger place, but it is what it is. And going into the highlights of the night, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green wedding. And going into this, I knew this was obviously because of time and all the matches. This was going to be the last part. I was kind of hoping that um, they would end this night. I like seeing nights end on wrestling. But how this ended up playing out, it told a bigger story, which made me kind of Okay, I can live with that. I understand why you guys did it as the main event. But it's also kind of hard to do a wedding and then still have matches afterwards. So, um, yeah. What was your thoughts on the wedding? <laughs> I think I think when I came back from intermission and we look at the ring, I'm laughing because it looks like a very typical <laughs> wrestling wedding scene. And I mean that in the most wonderful of ways. They had everything decked out just like you would, including the big poster picture. Yep. You know, because you have to have that. Um, ML announces Maven. He walks out to a path lined with tea light candles. I believe those are just the electric ones. Uh, Maven takes a lot of heat by the time he gets to the ring. He gets in the ring. He handles it well. He plays a heel gimmick. He talks a ton of shit. Uh, picture falls behind him and the fans are laughing. Uh, Maven made it to a uh, he made it kind of a point to make fun of the fans. That's how he kind of absorbed a lot of that heat. You're looking down and you'll see Emil is holding up the props because it's falling down all the time. This whole thing is like GCW gold. 
Yes. You know, so GCW chants are going all over the place. He's telling fans to shut the hell up. There's dueling asshole and shut the fuck up chants going all over the place. And then they start to announce the rest of the wedding party. So out comes friends and family. You're hearing fuck the parents chants break out right at the Cardona's. <laughs> fuck the Cardona's chants come out. I mean, it was just, it was just wonderful. I like how the parents kind of got involved and took yes. it in stride. They did a, like, I think they took a very good job. Obviously, we see what happens to the dad later, but I think it was, the crowd did exactly what they did. I don't think they overstepped it. Like, kind of, maybe, maybe like, I know they were even announced, like, Matt, or Matt Taven, see? Matt, Maven, Matt Taven got me messed up. Maven kind of like, hey, like, be respectful, assholes. This is the parents. Like, if it wasn't for him, you would have had Matt Cardona. And, like, the crowd's like, exactly. That's why we're chatting. Fuck the Cardonas. Because if it wasn't for these two, they wouldn't have Matt Cardona. We would have to deal with them. I loved how they played it all of it up. And Maven, Maven did way better than I thought he would. At first, I was kind of like, oh, my God, he's going to drown with this crowd. They're going to eat him alive. And. He he owned it. I liked it. I like how yeah, Maven it, definitely added a lot to this. I didn't expect. Okay, I went. All right, Maven. That's all. You know what I mean? I think of the vanilla character that was on WWE for a little while, and I remember him. For, yeah. So I went. Okay, Maven. It's going to be what it is. Luckily, the minute he got out there on the mic, he became instantly entertaining, and I see why they picked him. He delivered. What? A, what? A, I mean, for him, cool. A hundred percent awesome fucking showing. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, so then out comes Matt Cardona. Here come these heavy, heavy boos. I will say, though, 100%, the minute the camera panned up and showed him and we see that he's decked out in the old Macho Man wedding gear, I just, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking tweet this out so hard. I actually tried to send a DM over to him. <laughs> I told him that that was so fucking classy to see that, and it was just... I mean, for real fans, they knew exactly what he was doing. For other fans, he just looked like some guy decked out in some purple shit. Um, he even did the twirl when he got yep. to the ring. He did the Macho Man twirl, which Ooh, I yeah. Macho Man's in my top five. So I'd have to say that was absolutely wonderful. So he had an incredible amount of heat. Then up comes Chelsea looking lovely of course getting heavy boos she's catching <laughs> shit all the way to a ring she gets tied up in her own trail at uh once she gets into the ring there she kind of does a spin to turn around gets caught up she gets mad at charlie charlie fucking kicks at chelsea obviously just having fun didn't actually you know connect with her just get the fuck out of here kind of a kick and um what, just real fast on that point well you said yeah. like how chelsea's getting like the boos and everything too like if you if you probably put what she's been through in GCW into all these other companies, you're gonna hear the word bury. Oh my god, they're burying her. They're burying her. It's like she's just always she's always getting messed up and beat up in the ring. Like she's never doing anything positive. She's always losing. Like that's what makes it so fun to boo Matt Cardona and Chelsea's like they're owning it. Like they're making it so fun and easy to boo. Like I just said, with the macho man, like if I didn't, I actually kind of like Cardona, so like I root for him, even though he flipped me off at the Las Vegas show. <laughs> but I am a like Cardona because of this role, like he is killing it with his creative freedom and how he brings in the nostalgia acts, like how he played 
um, as we talked last Art of War games, like last year, he came out as Deathmatch King with the Macho Man crown, like as when Macho Man was the king of the ring. Like, I love how he came out to his first title defense of the GCW world title dressed as Vince McMahon. Like his creativeness and bringing in the nostalgia and history. And re- I, we were kind of talking about this off camera too, like rewarding fans of wrestling of some of these big moments where he's making all these callbacks to like. That is where Cardona, as and in your in your notes, you had it like this is the greatness of Cardona. That is the truest thing I've seen on Matt yes. Cardona. Like this is what makes him so great, in my opinion. Where he's doing his own thing, creating his own heat while doing fun stuff for him and doing all these callbacks to awesome wrestling moments. And like that's Cardona and Chelsea. Like they're killing it with that. And like shout out to Chelsea because like I don't think any other like wife would be able to do all those things that she's been doing for her husband. Like. I couldn't imagine, <laughs> like, hey, let's come out here and I'm going to put you through a table. Or else this time I'm going to hit you in the chair in the head. Or this time you're going to do a crazy spot with Joey Janela. Or also, oh, now you're dating Joey Janela. Or as, like, during this, during the wedding, you're going to get messed up during the wedding. Like, I just love how she just takes it all in stride. And, then, like, these two are awesome for GCW. Like, I love it. I just love seeing Cardona and Chelsea. Like, no matter what they're doing, I love the crowd booing them. But at the end, I'm like, oh, I love this shit. Like, yeah. We, uh, GCW fans, all of us, we kind of protect the Cardonas like family. We can talk shit about the Cardonas, but don't you dare talk shit about the Cardonas to us. You yeah. know, I, I think that's really the thing there. Um, they're just, we need to protect them at all costs. This is another one where I think years down the road, we're going to check out some GCW stuff and people are going to be like, okay, you got to go check out the wedding. These guys caught some serious heat, so on and so forth. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, Cardona highlights when we go back through GCW a decade or two from now. Uh, but Maven gets the shut the fuck up chance like crazy all throughout this whole thing. He starts the ceremony up and it's just shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. So Chelsea starts talking, and then here comes the crowd with Chelsea swallows. At this point, <laughs> the fans the fans are taking over the wedding like expected, and the fans feel like they're in control. But you can see up there, everybody's really enjoying themselves, and they're getting exactly the reaction they wanted. Yep. So I love that. Awesome and I remember at one point, I remember at one point too. I remember Chelsea was saying that she loves when Matt gets these boos. Number one, it's really effective. Like I said before, where you know you boo the guy who wants boos and you cheer the guy who wants cheer. So, yes. um, but then uh, Matt hypes up his last match with Nick Gage last year. It's kind of interesting. He cuts a little promo in between there. You skipped one of the best parts of the night. Oh my gosh! Holy oh holy shit, dude! You skipped yeah. the best part of the wedding. I think like it was you said, it's a long day. My... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm tripping a little more than usual on my words. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it's a little bit of tired, but yeah, I cannot. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, do you want to do it? You want me to do it? What do you think? Oh, it's all good, man. I just, I just, I think, okay, I just saw so... you slip right over. I'm like, wait, that's the best part. Oh we, can't, we can't skip over this part. We got to bring this part up because this was the best part of this wedding for me. Dude, and it is a huge highlight too. Okay, so Megan's <laughs> getting this fuck the chance, fuck the fuck, uh, shut the fuck up chance. And and basically Chelsea says, look, I'd like to kind of bring out somebody, and I couldn't think of a better way to do it than you know do it in the song. So out comes Maki Ito. Yes. And the crowd is just loving it. All that we know is she has a microphone and we know whatever's going to be coming out of there is going to be kind of hilarious. We just don't know what or how yet. And what song and did then, she sing? What was she singing? Um, 
Um, can't live without you. Yeah, can't that song. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's a good song. It's a classic song. The crowd was clapping along the whole, you know, towards the end of the song. I want to tell you that we were about, she was singing about halfway through. And I was watching everybody on the ring kind of looking around. And I was realizing that we were actually witnessing a memorable and special moment. And I do know that that will be something a hundred percent that we will go back on the fact that we brought Maki over here and we had her sing a song that I guarantee she had to memorize, which makes me think that she may have learned it when she was learning English. Maybe it was a favorite song of hers, but I wanted to say just how fucking special it was that she was doing that. It was a moment. Yes, I just said moment, and she was, uh, from what I read, I think she learned that the, either the night before or hours before the show. So you have a Japanese fluent wrestler <laughs> coming in and doesn't really speak English, kind of knows that, oh, fuck you, the bitches, you know, like, first words you learn yeah, yeah. Uh, the next language is all the cuss words. Where she yeah. came out, she sang this song, and they're like, I don't know the worst of the song, but it sounded like it all made sense and was co cohesive, where I'm like, Holy crap, she just brought out the English singing and killed it like her character normally does when she comes out and sings her own song. Like, I thought that was just so awesome. And like, as you said, as she ended, the crowd went freaking bananas. As you saw, like the crowd's kind of looking around like, what are we watching here? What are we seeing? Oh, oh, she keeps on going. She's doing good. And holy crap, she's killing it. And the crowd just goes bananas. And I loved it. Dude, that whole moment was just absolutely special. I was really just, I was taken in by the whole thing. Later on, I went ahead and rolled that back and it showed my son. And I go, oh, you know, you talk about wrestling moments. I said, this is actually a legit special wrestling moment. And it, it so wasn't wrestling. It was just singing. It was just performers being performers. I really enjoyed that. So back to where I, I, I originally skipped into <laughs> here. Uh, so, yeah, Matt ended up grabbing the microphone after that since Maki went to the back here. And he starts hyping up that last match with Nick Gage. I kind of knew where this was going. But, yeah, he, he had this... He had this bug about him. He needed to say more about it last year. He was still burnt by it. Then we start getting Hosky chants, you know, and like I said, it was to a point to where the fans felt like they were in control and, you know, they were trying to hijack everything that Cardona was saying, which is exactly what Cardona wants. I freaking love it. Um, Matt started to go ahead through his nuptials and he was saying that when he met Chelsea, he said, woo, woo, woo. He calls Chelsea his forever hosky. It, it got a lot of laughs. It. it was really nice. Yeah, and then we're looking for a ring bearer. Oh, and uh, finally, we hear some noise in the back there, and Jimmy. out comes Jimmy, Jimmy Lloyd. Jimmy fucking, Jimmy fucking Lloyd comes out, and he forgot the ring. That was so, classic. That was yeah. great. Yeah. So, I mean, he's searching, searching, can't find it. So he gets insulted uh, by Cardona, and he gets sent to the back to find the ring. And then we hear Blake's music play. Uh, Out comes Blake looking all cocky with a lollipop in his mouth. And he's got no shirt on with a little tuxedo freaking, what's it called? It looked the... like a Chippendale. That's what he looked like was yeah, a Chippendale. He did. He looked like a fucking Chippendale. You're right. And so he comes out. He congratulates uh, Matt. He grabs Chelsea's butt. And then he kind of stands there. And, you know, they're playing it off like everybody's all friends. Out comes Allie. She's got a present in her hand and a beer in the other because it's fucking Allie. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Allie comes out. She says she just came to give thanks and prevented, presented uh, Cardona with a gift. 
So they ended up opening it, and Allie had brought the Cardona's Rogaine spray because she feels Cardona could need it. So that pissed him <laughs> off quite a bit. It, you could start to see that the match was slowly devolving little by little into greater problems and greater issues. And here, you know, the, the typical wonderful yes. wedding, you typical know, falling apart. Yeah, so they say their vows, the couples kiss. You know, they, it's a wonderful little moment. And then, boom, that famous Metallica music of MDK. You have Nick Gage coming out into the crowd. Cardona realistic, realistically probably should have ran because we know how it's going to go. And so, yeah, Gage comes out. He canes dad and he canes Cardona. So, oh, that <laughs> so, purple, that yeah. purple light tube was awesome. I love that little. Oh, yeah. That little, little, like little detail I loved and like. I just love how Cardona, Cardona's dad just sat there like, what? What are you going to do? Oh, okay. He hit me. And then he did like five uh, little spins and then he's out the ring. <laughs> it's like, it was funny. Oh, man. Yeah. And then Char Chelsea gets in Gage's face, starts to complain to Gage. How dare he do this? This is her wedding. You know, all the stuff that you normally would hear the bride scream. You know, this is my wedding. You know, this is supposed to be my day. She's playing it wonderfully. Yes. By the way, I'm sure she did a lot of research, making sure she does all the typical bride things because she hit every single button on that. Um, so here we go with the tears. Basically, Allie hits her with the cake and then she gets the pile driver, looks up, boom, crying instantly. Gage pulls out that special black light tube, breaks it over Cardona's head. Um, I love black lights. That's another thing for another day. I wanted to talk eventually about how I would like to see uh, matches incorporate black lights into the lighting. I don't know if that's even possible, but uh, Gage pushes over the entire wedding scene and MDK chance breakout. Gage then brings out that lovely pizza cutter and starts to carve up Cardona's head. Insane amounts of blood. Yes. He's, I mean, he's bleeding like it crazy. Pouring off his face. And then, yeah, without even the ropes, typical gauge, he starts bringing Cardona to each different side of the ring and slicing him up so that each of the fans can, you know, cheer, get their pictures. Uh, Chelsea and Matt start singing together in the center of the ring. You know, Gage's music hits and the happy couple aren't happy anymore. So we hear Chelsea saying, you ruined my day and everyone else is having a freaking celebration one hell of a fun little wedding and of course i'm just talking about it going and watching it would probably do it a hell of a lot more justice than just my words it was really really more entertaining than i expected there was way more in there than i thought yeah i loved how like chelsea you can kind of see near the end she's like i think that's where it kind of started to break her when she saw like how bad matt cardona was bleeding but like she couldn't keep the straight face no more she was just like hey i'm enjoying this shit this shit's fun and i could kind of see like a little laughing with the crying there it was pretty funny seeing trying to see oh, her keep yes. a straight face and that, that's i think i said they were singing at the end of the match. i meant to say oh, yeah. they were crying in the middle of the yeah. i think i said they were singing no i, I <laughs> like i said this end up I like still would like to see a wrestling match end it kind of maybe a big special oh crazy spot, crazy moment or something like that. But this for a wrestling wedding, it definitely did hit every single possible uh spot that you could see in a wrestling re wedding. Um yeah. this I like I said, I just go back to the Cardona, like they're willing to make themselves look like the complete freaking fools while still getting like the most out of it where like the GCW crowd just loved it. Like that was awesome seeing them just get destroyed and their wedding ruined. But I just like how they just kind of like 
hey, like they could they could be like how oh, Jeff Jarrett is against FB. Like, no, I'm this big serious person. I'm supposed to be the winner, and we're going to be the serious kind of style where like Cardona's like, no, dude, we're gonna have fun with this. Chelsea's like Chelsea and Cardona are just loving. I think they're loving every single moment of this, and I think it's only helping both of their careers. Where if like Cardona does go back to a big company or wherever he does, like he's gonna get a truck, and he's deserved it because. I think he's the absolute spot on. Like when you look up, like, hey, go make a name for yourself out in the independent wrestling scene. Be your creative uh, control that every wrestler wants. And when you're in charge of your creative, like how Cardona is, like he's showing you what could possibly come out of. Hey, let the wrestlers, let the artists control the art that they're making. And Cardona is like every single time I see him, he he does not fail. Like. He, him and Chelsea have been killing it. And this was another one of those where I'm like, man, I just, to get your wife to do all the things that she's had to do for, for your career, kind of like during these spots and segments is kind of nuts. And I just love seeing those two working together. And um, as uh, you were kind of saying, like how you have, they kind of make the crowd feel like they're the ones in charge, shouting the hoski, the broskis, and all that stuff. And fuck you, Cardona's where Matt's got them in the palm of his hand. He's got, and I think that's where I was kind of talking about with Blake, where I don't think the reason the whole night before the whole Blake situation happened because Blake doesn't have the promo experience or the veteran promo experience to be able to get the control back where Cardona I thought was perfect for here where no, like I could control the watch. I'm going to make them cheer this, or I'm going to make them do this against me no matter what and him going and Blake Christian coming out Cardona I thought this was kind of a maybe a good way to hey Blake's with Matt Cardona maybe they'll start actually really booing him and we could turn him where I think it ended up being just a little spot for him to get extra boos but I I know they made a Blake when uh Matt, Matt Cardona was hurt Blake's like I was your biggest broski man I was one of those woo 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 <laughs> and I, and then he ended up beating him that night but then like, I thought this was a cool way to wrap all that whole storyline around where hey we got nothing to hate each other for like I already got my world title match you're you're still healing up for your injury let me be part of your wedding so I thought that was a kind of a cool way to kind of bring that full circle and um we forgot who we got. We forgot to mention who the flower girl was. Do you remember who the flower girl was? Oh my gosh! Yeah, darn dark sheik. That yeah, was man, another I fun spot. No, there, there was so much going on in this wedding, which is obviously a typical wrestling wedding. Where I I just loved seeing that, and I love seeing uh um Asha, Billy, and Charlie being like the I forgot the bridesmaids and stuff like that. And like Chelsea's like I don't want oh, them. Geez, and I don't yeah. know them. Like they're not my bridesmaids, but okay, like. Since you guys are here, don't fuck it up. And all they did was fuck everything up. So I just love oh, how it all played out. And Big Vin was part of uh, Matt Cardona's thing. And he even got like a special okay. shout out from Matt Cardona. He's like, hey, here's the real heart and soul of GCW. Like, without Big Vin, none of this shit would be possible. So I loved how they incorporated so much into this spot where it did. I It did change my mind afterwards. Um, well, it changed my mind until Nick Gage came out. Where I liked how the wedding was playing out, but once Nick Gage music hit, I became instantly kind of confused. Of I thought Nick Gage had Moxley to worry about. Why is he going back to rehashing another Matt Cardona thing? Where like I was kind of talking about with the Charles Mason and Charlie, where that was done a year ago. Why are we going back to? And I that soured me a lot, to be honest with you, from this segment because it still doesn't make any sense. Maybe Cardona interferes in Nick Gage and Moxie's match to pay back. But then now Moxie or if Gage loses and he's retired, he can't get his 
uh, comeuppance on Matt Cardona. Like, I don't. I just don't understand that part of the book. Everything else of this whole wedding thing, and even what when Nick Gage was in there, that was awesome. But creative, like not creatively, but my booking mind, as you guys, you always say, put my hat on. Like I have that booking hat on yeah. nonstop. Where I'm like, I'm always watching stuff. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Where are they gonna go from there? Like, where? What can you do? What's going on? And that kind of was another one of like I had to pump the brakes and be like, why are we going back to Cardona and Gage? Where Nick Gage kind of already beat Cardona, and that was I got all an done. idea. Go ahead. I got an idea. You ready? Okay, so this is gonna be a one-two-three thing. I'm thinking Gage beats Moxley. Moxley or Gage realistically doesn't have a lot of matches in him. Cardona says this is the moment I've been waiting for. Gage doesn't have much in him. The old man is weak. I'm gonna whoop his ass while I have the chance. And I have a feeling that's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see Moxley to Gage to Cardona in a quick succession. And I really am only saying that because I see this Cardona thing building and there's no reason to when you already have big old Moxley in there. That's a hell of a good storyline right there that could run for quite a while. So I'm thinking with, with Gage's limited uh, limited uh, situation here, I don't really see him always defending. So that's why I was saying I'm worried about us taking the same problem with Moxley hardly showing up and changing it to Gage's face with Gage barely showing up. So it only makes sense to me. Oh, God, I hope I'm not fucking anything up or spoiling anything. I'm just saying, like, this is what I'm thinking. I, but I'm just thinking it would make sense that if we're trying to protect Gage, that we have that. Now we've got two, three, four, six months of Cardona heat. Real headliner at the front of the show. I don't know how many times just in there getting the shit boot out of him. And all we're going to do is throw our GCW best at him over and over and over. It could really work out. And Cardona does have a spot in this situation because... um. Cardona lost the belt to Moxley at Art of War Games. So, um, and he never really got his quote unquote rematch that does yep. not exist in GCW. But Matt Cardona, being the old school wrestling st- uh, head that he is, he's like, no, I'm the champion. I lost. I get an automatic rematch clause. What are you talking about, Brett? I don't get this. Like, I think they could incorporate that into it, but then it does become Cardona and Moxley for the belt. Like, as you said, it could, they could go a couple months with it, but I. We we do see Cardona more than we see Moxie engage, that's for sure. But I still am of the belief that I want to see a GCW regular hold that belt that's going to be here every single show where I know Cardona would bring more value, more name value, more monetary value to the belt, to GCW, to the company. I just want to see, unless it leads into a big thing where he drops it to one of these up and comers, like a Blake Christian, maybe if he figures this shit out, or a Jordan, or uh Anybody, you know, I'll, I just a GCW regular, and I think they can save it. But as you said, it goes into the okay, even if it's Cardona, it's still kind of a part timer, even though it's more. I just don't see Cardona maybe getting as many indie dates as he was getting before because of this inj- injury and how it affected other these bigger promotions. It kind of affected their programming for a while, where I don't know if he's going to get the same amount of uh freedom to work all these other companies as he did before. So then we kind of run into the same situation as we got three possible part-timers that aren't GCW regulars going for the GCW world title. So I would just, that's kind of where I'm leaning at with this whole thing. I'm interested to see what happens. I think maybe we are going to get Cardona versus Moxley at the art of war games. Maybe Um, I'm actually thinking 
maybe they might hold off on that for a little bit as well. If they, if it doesn't happen at Art of War games, I think the next time we possibly see this Cardona versus Gage thing happen might be at a, if they ever go back to it, which I know they kind of hinted at a Hammerstein uh, with Nick Gage and Moxley. Maybe that would be kind of like the blow off to the, maybe they'll have like that as the main event of that night. And that's a big draw. But I just, there's three part-timers that are not GCW regulars. I just hope that situation kind of gets situated here. But I have, over these last couple of weeks of watching GCW, they they have definitely got my attention. I want to see anything and everything that happens. And I'm trying to give them more benefit of the doubt because all these things, like I said, even when I'm talking them out, I have this thought, but then 10 seconds later, after thinking about it and talking about it out loud, I could see how they could go around fixing it. That would be good in my eyes just my eyes not everybody's eyes but uh i would like to see what kind of happens here with mox age and ardona and the gcw world title and see what happens here especially outer war games maybe they kind of do a play around where hey now age wins and then cardona beats gage surprisingly and chat ends up ending uh nick age's career i don't know what happens but i'm very interested art of war games is shaping up to be a crazy card um, this homecoming did a lot of uh, good for itself as a event, but I think it did a lot of uh, a lot of good things too to set up the next uh, events coming up as we hit the Charlotte and Atlanta area, I believe it is, and then after that we head into Art of War Games. I think there's a lot of awesome possibilities that are coming up at Art of War Games. All right, and for our memorable moments of GCW's homecoming weekend, 2022 night two. Uh, the first memorable moment I think I'd like to mention would be the fact that we're still looking at Axton's continued push and rise. I really am enjoying it, and I really think that we need to go ahead and start getting him more singles opponents. I think he's minimum middle of the card ready. I think he can get in there. He he has the uh, capacity to be an opener, and they've been putting in, uh, him in openers primarily because of his athleticism. But uh, he has enough personality, I believe, that can come out to where he can start working his way up the card over time so his push and rise i thought was definitely a memorable moment here especially being on the big stage with it being homecoming weekend uh my next memorable moment was seeing maki ito it's always a treat it was nice to see her come out she wrestled multiple times and she came out and gave us a small concert i can't see a small um I can't see her sing that song anywhere else. So I thought that was a nice, unique moment from Maki. Seeing the Jordan and Wayne combo forming slowly into something greater and greater. Uh, that storyline's been building now for quite a few weeks over several shows. And I'm happy to see that that's continuing all the way through the homecoming weekend because that gives me hope that this is going to continue and continue and continue into something much larger. I also wanted to mention everything about the last two matches of the night. Those last two death matches were fantastic for deathmatch fans. They gave them exactly what they were wanting in those last two matches. I couldn't see where anyone would uh, complain whatsoever at all. There were new ones. There were veterans. There were titles that uh, were defended. I can't really say too much more about that. The Cardona wedding would be the next to last thing I'd like to mention, absolutely everything about that was totally Cardona, totally GCW. It was an absolute presentation. I don't know how it could have went better. And even though I've seen 40 years of weddings, it had a couple things in it I didn't think were going to happen. So kudos to them. The one thing I wanted to use as my last bit of memorable moments would be this. 
over that weekend, we had 10 hours and 10 minutes of shows. That's including JCW. So I would have to say kudos to GCW for giving us content. That was a WrestleMania level weekend of content from GCW. I just really want to say it was another fantastic weekend from GCW. And I just wanted to also say thank you to them for the amount of content that they gave us. I was so busy and I had so much stuff to look forward to. And they gave me more than I expected. And I'm really thankful that they were able to do that for us fans. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback off that, as you said, the WrestleMania level, like guys, I, we kind of talked about in the first one and second one. Like, this is kind of like, in my opinion, I think this is their biggest shows of the year is the homecoming. It's in the home spot. It's typically have the biggest names, have the best matches, um, where storylines either end or as we saw in this one start because gcw there's no off it's wrestling there's no off season like we can't just oh take a break here and oh, we'll come back and start new storylines start a new season or whatnot it's like no like we're going to keep on going it's gcw keep going and going and fucking going and i thought this was like that weekend of like you said 10 hours and 10 minutes like that's awesome even we got to see the jcw and stuff like that was a pretty fun show as well but there was a lot of wrestling going on and I enjoyed almost every single part of it. And like, I, I can't even honestly think of something like really bad say, like where I didn't enjoy stuff. Um, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. My highlight of, I guess if we want to say day two, I loved seeing Cardona and Chelsea kind of like just own it and have fun. And like, I really think like, I, I say this, like at Cardona, what he's doing for JCW and kind of what they're doing for him as well. Like, giving him this extra platform to show his creativeness and probably give him a little bit more creative freedom than he has in let's say how he works in uh nw uh nwa or i aiw or something i think it is or iaw like i know i've seen him another uh oh aiw AIW, that's what it was yeah hey i'll break in and just say if anyone's hasn't had a chance to see aiw if you're a deathmatch person go fucking check out aiw on iwtv.com Yes, especially the uh this last I think it was this last weekend they had like it was that was that was crazy match. I remember seeing clips of like, wow, that's kinda nuts. But I like Cardona and Chelsea enjoying it and doing it. Like I said, I appreciate everything Matt Cardona's doing. I hope we get to see him longer. But I, I think uh <laughs> a lot greener pastures are in his way, especially when it comes to money. So um uh another takeaway as you speak back off what you said as well as the accident. I think we need to see Axton have a one-on-one feud. Either mm-hmm. they got to either pick what if he's going to be hey if he's going to be a face. I would like to see him kind of start interacting with Charles Mason if they're going to go the face route because they're both on JCW. Where as we talk, JCW, GCW bleed. You could weave that in and out of both both shows programming and stuff like that, and I think that would help build him up tremendously. Um, if he ends up being the heel route, I could kind of see him being a spoiler to like a Jordan or Nick Wayne. Kind of like oh, yeah, maybe yeah. causing some dissension between those two. I just think I, I want to see Axon Ray now. We've seen enough from where I want to see, okay, he's going to be here. I want to see him here. I want to, let's see what he's got in a feud. Let's give him some mic. Let's give him some mic time. Let's see what he could do with the mic. Let's see what he could do running a feud and selling stories as a winner or a loser. Like I want to see Axon Ray do more as, as you mentioned. Um, and I think another big takeaway and kind of goes back to night one is Blake. Like, what are they going to do here? What is Blake going to do? He's still getting the booze. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with him. I think that's the kind of like the big for me. The whole weekend was the, the question mark for me was what is in Blake's future? Is he going to take the break now from GCW and go do what he said he was going to do with some of these other companies and come back? Is he going to stay here and try to correct it or change his gimmick, change his character? Or what? I, I don't know. Like, I just want to know what is my big question of the week. What's next for Blake Christian? And what's next also for the GCW world title? Is this Cardona going to get involved in this? Is he going to stay out? Is he going to interfere? Um, what does he have to say about what does Moxley have to say about Gage taking his focus off him already the next night and focusing on Cardona, which is somebody he already settled their whatever they had going on. So I, I just think there's some questions still be answered, but um, overall, that was a fun weekend of shows. It was ECW. Like I said, I think, as I said before, I think after Hammerstein, they kind of rested on their laurels, laurels and enjoyed themselves, which is fine. And then they, the last few weeks of programming have been for me feeling more like how, when I first started watching GCW it was like, okay, what are they going to do with the tag titles? What's going on with the world title? What's going to possibly happen with Rena in Japan with the extreme or the ultraviolet title? What's Cole? Is Cole going to step up and now start getting these bigger names and uh and different styles of matches for the extreme championship? How long is he going to hold it? I think there's a lot going on now where for a while they were just kind of putting on the super cards of no really storytelling. Where now that I think as we we've talked about before, we want we're kind of missing storylines investments what is going to make me want to watch the product more and i think now they got a lot of stuff that fans of any wrestler could get involved with because there's a lot going on with all these different storylines and possible angles and feuds and stuff like that going on where i think they could keep on building off of it and turn it into something incredible coming up which lately they've been doing so i like to kind of see cw keep on going forward and can't wait to i can't wait to art of war again i know we're skipping over two shows but I think I can't wait to see what happens at Art of War Games because after last year, there was a lot of crazy action in the War Games match and then crazy surprises at the end with Moxie coming out. Like, Are we going to possibly see another superstar from another company kind of dive their toes into uh, GCW? I know we're recording a little bit after Homecoming here, but we see a couple uh, other superstars in other companies saying, hey, I have a... I can I could get to do one indie booking here coming up soon. Who should I face and where should I wrestle? So I I would I, I'm excited for the future and that's as a fan that's all I could as a fan that's all you could be excited for is to have something to look forward to instead of okay here's another GCW show let's just watch it like no like I'm invested to see what happens here but overall great homecoming weekend um like I said I can't wait for our war games even though I know we're skipping the next two episodes uh next two shows that we got to cover as well but I think there's a lot that could possibly be coming in a good way in uh that will be it for us tonight John we have covered homecoming day 1 day 2 uh next shows coming up we have hope to die and I forgot the name of the it is sanctified sanctified was in charlotte I believe and hope to die was in Atlanta at center stage and i like to, yeah. like I said, we talked about center stage i like the the center stage show was a fun one that was super but uh we will yeah. be covering those two episodes uh coming up in this near future i know we fell behind again we are catching back up i had a bunch of shit happened in my house so that is for the that is the reason for the delay so i do apologize but like how we did before we will catch up here real fast and right be right on schedule again is there any last words you want to send off w plants out there um, I think it's always just thank you. 
I love all of this. I'm hoping everybody's enjoying it. We're just going to keep doing it and we're going to keep getting better. I just, uh, I'm just thankful, man. Yes. Thank and, you. Yeah. Yes. And thank you all too. Again, I, uh, I tweeted it out last night. We have reached a new milestone for our show as we have now reached over 300 listens. And, uh, like I said before, like it took us a month to around just a little over a month to get the first hundred listens. And pretty much a month after that, we've doubled that amount and gotten 200 listens. So, I love seeing the growth. I, as John said, we appreciate it. We thank you all. Um, like I said, as you always say, we're just two fans sitting here talking wrestling, trying to get people to watch GCW. And yep, and uh, I think it's starting to work. We see, we've been seeing the views. We've been, <laughs> we've been out, and we've kind of seen other people kind of uh, talk to us, like, "Oh, you're the GCW people. You more than I have. Yeah. You had an interesting one. I had one that was kind of like my friend, but I didn't know he was listening to it. And he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm listening <laughs> to it. I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know you were so." It's it is nice and it is we, we do see it we do uh, appreciate it like I said we always put uh, underneath these videos wherever you're watching or listening probably listening right now because there's nothing to watch it even on YouTube I have updated YouTube it's still audio only we are I think on the cusp here of real soon start to do these live videos with live chats and live everything so you could yeah. interact live with the show and stuff like that um, we still plan on doing some more Twitter Spaces. Um, and interacting with the fans more, giving them more time to talk about GCW wrestling with us as well. But we do appreciate the uh, views, the listens, and as you can find all of our social media underneath wherever you are listening to this. And um, like John said, we just appreciate it. We uh, we want to keep on going, like, and we want to keep on growing GCW and getting some more fans and some more listeners to uh, the show and be we're just more people aware of GCW, wherever that might be through us, through someone else, however you get it, please keep on spreading the GCW word on behalf of myself and Mr. John J. Wolf. That will be it for GCW's homecoming night two and the end of episode. Oh, I believe it's 14. Yes. 14. Sorry. I lost. I accidentally closed that tab. <laughs> But on behalf of myself and John, uh, Mr. John J. Wolf, we do appreciate you guys, and we always send you off here. Long, long live G C W.